Hey guys, what's going on? It's Jeff. A quick note before the show begins. The audio from these podcasts mostly come from live video YouTube streams on my channel. They may vary in quality from show to show and reference visual content not described to you, the listener. I'm sorry about that. If you prefer video to go with this audio, head over to youtube.com backslash from us, F-R-U-M-E-S-S for the whole enchilada. Who doesn't like a whole enchilada anyway? Pizza is the shit. Well, don't you know it? Because pizza is so punk. It's punk. Ooey gooey cheese. Rolling down to my knees. Because pizza is so punk that it's punk. Welcome to tonight's show. We got a nice serving of live pie. That's right. Live pie tonight. When was the last time we did a live pie? It's been a while. And I'm really excited about tonight's guest. You know, I'll tell you something. Just from like, it's been almost two years now. And I just, just from one day, it was March 20th. I remember it well, because literally like i don't know just a lot it was like a new era of things for me i don't know with the internet i guess i just decided to go live and i just started talking live and from just doing that i have met so many people it's been really really cool and so many of these people i've never met in real life but i've met you can meet people through the internet digitally it's almost like a digital neighborhood you turn to your digital neighbor and you're like Howdy. Hey, it's like these spaces aren't real spaces, and yet they kind of are at the same time. Uh, I suppose that that's for historians to decide at some future date, like what exactly all of this is. Is it real? Is it not real? You get a lot of people who say, oh, you know, it's not real. Oh, it is real. Uh, I, I guess maybe it's like somewhere halfway in between. Like it's not a real place, but at the same time it is because you genuinely do meet people like my friend Bob Rose, who I met over a podcast. We were doing a podcast. We never even, there was no video. We just, there was only audio. And we we connected through the internet, through, through our mutual friend, Nathan, who's the, the film festival director of the Nightmare Film Festival. No, Drama Blast Film Festival. And freaking um, uh, uh, did that, you know? And, um, and we, Bob and I eventually did meet in person. But my point is I've met so many people. And tonight's guest is one of those people that I've met through the internet. Super awesome dude. Um, our mutual friend, Christopher M. Jimenez, um, sort of uh, 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 introduced us. I've never even met Chris in real life, and yet I do a podcast with him on this channel. The internet is a weird place, man. The internet is such a weird place. But I'm very, very esteemed. What's up, Bill? We got crazy white boy in the house. How you doing, crazy white boy? Uh, yes, I, I'd like to let's let's bring him out of the digital green room. Mr. Ace Von Johnson is here. He is he does. A lot of things, a lot, a lot of things, but mainly he he mainly he, rock and roll courses through his veins. Um, so so let's bring him out and and give him a nice warm welcome on the Frumus channel. Ace, what's up, my friend? How are How you? you? Doing? Got half one of those fingers in there. Yeah, I'm I'm very well. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. Uh, excited to to talk. Yeah, tonight. same. Likewise, I uh, I do want to say I gotta tell everybody. This is it's it's rare that I jump on a show 
where I'm a fan of the show. And so this is one of those instances, like, you, you know, I, I subscribe to your Patreon and, and uh, I try to pop in on the YouTube, what we're, we're doing right now, whenever I can, usually I'm working on something and it's on the TV behind me and here in the office. So uh, I just want to say the honor's all mine, man. And thank you for having me and stoked to be here and talk about punk rock and pizza and misfits or whatever else we discuss. Uh, yes, Ace is a Patreon as well, and I do. Uh, that was like going to be my next thing was that I want to thank you for just all of your support, man. Uh, and yeah. it's just I truly appreciate uh, your your patronage and your participation and everything that you contribute in in the uh, in the live chat when 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 you come through. And you are welcome here anytime. Thanks. Uh, truly, Thanks. Um, let's start off. Let's start off. I wanted to do a, a live unboxing. Well, we're going to talk about records anyway, too. I have a feeling. So that's why I was like, this is a perfect time to do a live. Yeah, he's, got, <laughs> he's, got, he's, got, he's got some records. A thousand uh, of them behind me. Let's, let's start things off with the thesis question that sort of began Pizza Punk in the first place. The notion, um, and again, it's totally subjective. There is no wrong answer here, folks. Uh, but I'm going to ask Ace, is Pizza Punk... And if it is punk, why is it punk? And if it's not punk, why is it not punk? Ace, what do you think? Uh, oh, right on. Uh, I saw the comment there. Um, I think pizza is totally punk rock. Um, you know, when I think about being on the road or I think about, you know, low budget catering in a green room or I think about the Ramones and the Bowery or I think about Jerry's Pizza in Bakersfield, which is like this shitty, I don't even know if it's there anymore, but this shitty like punk rock club in, in Northern California that like every, you know, up and coming punk band, you know, in the nineties and two thousands ever played. Uh, I definitely would say punk is pizza and pizza is punk. <laughs> I got that backwards, but uh, yeah, I, ju I just picture like Joey Ramone taking a big cheesy stringy bite out of like a slice of pie. And uh, I would say as far as foods go, it's pretty indicative of punk rock. Yeah. I love that answer. We, my, my friend Joe actually dragged me. We went to visit Joey Ramone's grave and we ate pizza at Joey Ramone's grave. We brought him a slice. We left him a slice of pizza, which I'm sure the, uh, the, um, the, the attendants of the, the cemetery probably aren't too keen on, but at the same time, this grave is covered in stuff. I mean, someone left a pair of jeans there. So I think, yeah, leaving a piece of pizza in a, in a pizza box. And you can, that video is actually on this channel for anybody who wants to see two uh, schlubs eat pizza at Joey Ramone's grave and wax poetically about the Ramones. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it really is. It is invocative of all those things. Great answer. Totally. Thank you. Great answer. Tell me something where, so where, where are you? I know. And I kind of did this on purpose. I sort of, I did a I did a preliminary slight little Google search, but not too much because I wanted to just ask you questions. Sure, so yeah. where are you from originally? I'm uh, Angelino native L.A. guy, which is uh, gotcha. a rarity in the entertainment industry or music industry, especially uh, second generation. My mom grew up there. She used to go see the doors at the Whiskey A Go Go. Wow. Um, and so I just was always there and uh, L.A. Uh, until about uh, 18 months ago. And I'm currently in Nashville. Um, I sort of upgraded my abode, if you will. I had a kicky little hundred-year-old apartment in the Hollywood Hills, or at least the foot of the Hollywood Hills. That was it cost me an arm and a leg. And when the pandemic and all that, which you know we don't need to even get into, but when that hit, I was like, you know, I'm out of here. And so I upgraded to Nashville, which I've been keeping my eye on for probably the last ten years. 
uh, to a house. So, you know, more bang for my buck. So Mazel tov to you. That's Thank wonderful. You. It Thank is you. nice to I am my friend. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> when, when you do, uh, yeah, it is really nice when you, you know, to, to expand into a house type setting, if you're able to, and sort of, you know, put all your stuff, you know, you, you get to let all your stuff air out. Maybe the stuff you don't have room for in an apartment per se. And, yeah. um, it, it's just, it's really, it, it really is something. And Nashville is a, a quite a bit of a music town, right? I mean, they call it music city. It's, it's, it's strange because it comes up frequently, but there's just so many, you know, you think of Nashville as like this country town, but it's really, I mean, there's a great punk scene. There's a great hip hop scene. There's like a whole stand up comedy community. Uh, it's really just, you know, it is kind of a hub for entertainment and um, having been coming out here for work for, you know, 15 years, um, you know, a friend of mine told me that around 2013 is when I started talking about, you know, like, oh, I could, I could see myself living here. And uh, one of my best friends in the world lives about two miles up the road. And uh, another buddy of mine just moved from my neck of the woods in, in Hollywood. And he, un unknowing to me, is a, uh, maybe about a block and a half over. And then my buddy Ian, whose dad also lives here, his name is John Karabi, he was a singer for Motley Crue in the 90s. Uh, his son, Ian lives, um, you know, if we both stand outside, we can yell to each other. And so nice. I'm just in this area with all these people and there's just always something going on. There's always shows and there's always events going on. And, and, you know, I don't want to harp too much on Nashville, but, um, just, it's what a really welcoming, warm, uh, environment. And, and I, you know, I'm just really humbled to be here and, and I didn't come here to like, you know, try to get some new gig or be in, you know new musician guy in town. I just made sense because I had so many friends that lived here and, uh, and I knew I could afford, you know, uh, more. And, um, I have some family that's on sort of the East coast. That's about a four hour drive. And then one of my closest friends in the world, uh, uh Ricky Rackman, he's about a six hour drive. Although I decided I'm not going to make that drive again. I'll just fly. But he's not too, he's not too far. He's in Charlotte, uh, adjacent North Carolina. So I, I, you know, and, and I don't have a lot of family on the West coast aside from, uh, my sister and my niece. So it just, it kind of made sense that I'm here with some of my closer friends or at least like up the street or within a day's drive. So I love it here. Um, and what's the, what is the food situation like down in Nashville? I mean, is it like stellar, like barbecue? Like what is the big deal down over there? There's so much food, man. Um, yeah. I don't eat, you, you'd think that I'd be all about it, but I, I, uh, uh, I, I don't eat out a lot. Like I probably, I found a cool couple sushi spots I like, and cool. there's a great, a great Thai place up the, up the street. I like, um, there's a ton of barbecue, um, you know, uh, hot chicken and all that kind of stuff. It's not really my, for my palate. Um, but you know, it's, it's definitely, if you're looking for a place to get some food it's definitely, there's definitely stuff here. Right. It's a foodie city. It's a foodie oh, yeah. city. Uh, so you're, you're kind of like, uh, so you're like, uh, you do a lot of cooking for yourself. Is it something that yeah. you like to do as like cooking or is it something that you just, you're just like, yeah, I'm not much of an, uh, out to eat type of guy. So I'll cook my own food, but utilitarian. Uh, it's, it, it depends on what's going on. I, I probably cook. I mean, I haven't eaten out, uh, maybe, or maybe once a week, twice a week. Um, I try to prepare stuff at home usually just, you know, uh, it's healthier. It's more oh, yes. budgetary. It yeah. So yeah. I, I make like a lot of chicken. I make a ton of, 
uh sauteed vegetables like there's always i'm always making like spinach mushroom carrot uh peppers that kind of thing with like a little bit of sauce yeah some flavor and then i'm not eating a bunch of like empty calories or something like sauce is the boss man sauce is the the boss that's great that's really great and it sounds i mean that's it's so exciting to just sort of uh put it's like uplift up 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 planting roots and then no up no what am i trying to say uplifting yeah that's what i'm trying to say uplifting roots and then planting them down in in a new space and sprawling it out and i don't want to talk about this too much because i we're gonna you're gonna come back on to sinful southern we're gonna do a full thing about horror movie posters but i just want so it just explained to me a little bit so you move into the house now and suddenly it's like okay like i'm gonna like what goes through your mind of like how you're gonna frame shit are you like okay now it's time to to bust out the goods that I never yeah. had space for. Like, tell yeah. me a little bit about that. It's, well, I mean, my place in Hollywood was pretty small. Anybody that some, some of my friends, maybe that might tune in or see this or whatever, listen later. No. And so it was kind of like, you know, my living room was pretty much decked out, but that was kind of it. And yeah. uh, here I've got this long hall that goes down, you know, through the, there's like a stairwell that looks over and the bathroom and the master bedroom. And then I've got the stairwell itself with stuff running up it and then the living room. And then there's this really, the ceilings are really high here. And nice. there's this one wall that's really perfect for a, uh, a, a trifold. So I've got a, a nice one that's there. And so most of the stuff, probably 75% of stuff that is framed and up here, I already had in Hollywood. I just didn't have it up because there was nowhere to right. frick and put it. Um, but a, a couple key pieces i've gotten since i lived here um and we'll do a whole deep dive another time but i sure i've got some i've got some really great stuff and it's definitely one of my favorite uh hobbies or whatever you want to call it i'll tell you i love getting like posters and stuff in general but the framing of it is such a pain in the ass it's a pain oh my god if you've got big stuff i've got a guy i can send to you or send you I, you know, I, I, it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, when I was younger, I just didn't give a shit. I just put pit, push pins into everything. Yeah. Yeah. And then when do. you get older, you just decide, I don't want that anymore. I want, I want everything to have a border. I want everything to have a frame and it yeah. becomes, you know, especially when you get, so like I have those, what are they called? Lobby posters. Yeah. Like yeah. Any ones. Yeah. Like know? a, like a day, like a day bill or an insert or yeah. Like day bill. Like what, yeah, like two feet by like one feet kind of. Yes, and yeah. I have one for rock and roll, which is cool. like a super weird, obscure rock and roll animated movie that if you've never watched, it is free legally on YouTube. You can legally watch <laughs> this movie okay. on YouTube, meaning that the people who own it actually uploaded it, so you're it's not illegal. Go check it out, rock and roll. It's on YouTube. It's got music with Iggy Pop, Cheap Trick, Blondie, Earth, Wind, and Fire, and Lou Reed. Uh, wow. it just, it's just, yeah, it's an insane movie. Uh, I can't even describe it. You just have to go watch it. But I got one of those goddamn lobby posters, and I go, oh yeah, I'll just go down to Michaels. I'm like trying to like find the right goddamn, yeah, skin. Doesn't work. You gotta. You that's a custom. Those are custom jobs. Custom. Yeah, I gotta. Custom I gotta. Jobs. I got a place up the street here in, in in East Nashville that I've been going to for the last year plus, and I keep popping in there. I actually went in there with a uh, French, uh, The Shining. Uh, I'm Ooh. not sure what what it would be called. I guess it kind of a comparable to a insert, but it's about twenty four by twenty or something like that. It's like almost like a gatefold album, right? If you will. 
and uh, it's just that iconic scene of Nicholson's face coming through the you know yeah. the bathroom, and it says the yeah. shining with all the the stuff. And uh, I've been hanging on to that for a while, and you know you got to it, because it's expensive. So I, I I'll do them yeah. you know two or three at a time, and then I'll rearrange some stuff and whatever. But yeah, it's definitely we definitely have some stuff to talk about. I I think that in general with collecting, it's like this weird sort of thing where it's like you like something, and when you first start it. It's like there's like this and I'm, I'm talking very broadly and I'm not talking specifically about you or me. I'm just saying very broad, general sweeping uh, statements here. The notion of like wanting to have the impressive looking collection and sort of like being very sort of maybe compromising with what you might put in the collection because you want at first it's all about quantity over quality, maybe. Yeah. And then as you, as room becomes, you know, available, no, well, I was going to say precious, like in the terms of like, you know, maybe if you don't have all, if, if there is a finite amount of space or a finite amount of shelving, because collections and shelving go hand in hand. There's so many different um, uh, factors that go into this, but the idea of like becoming more and more selective uh, and that's the way it is for me with like Blu-rays now. I am super selective with the boutique buys that I do, yeah, yeah. Uh, as well as records, man. I am super selective about the records I buy. I don't want to just own any old record, you know? Yeah, um, I've gotten like that with vinyl as well, where I like beefed up my my record collection over the last couple of years, especially with the pandemic and stuff, just, you know, I'm sitting here and might as well order some stuff off of uh, <laughs> that's what happened. Know, Discogs or eBay or whatever, yep. plus going to record conventions and stuff. And, and now it's gotten to the point where I go through and I'm, I might pull one or two things, but I'm like, I, I've got everything I really want. I really need. And I don't want to just stick. I don't want to buy like four heart albums just to fill in my H section, you know, or whatever right. it is. So quantity, quality over quantity, quality over quantity, but it doesn't, it's so hard. The amount of control that you need when you start off, like to like have that to like, it's about vision. Yeah. It's like, I have to have a vision that I want, but at the beginning, it's like, no, I want, I want to have it look full. Yeah. And so that's my, that was me with the vinyl for sure. I'm, I'm, constantly rearranging it being like well this this shelf looks too thick and this shelf looks too thin you know this one's too hot this one's too cold and i finally got to a point where i'm like all right it's kind of you know filling out yeah no it looks great looks healthy (laughs) it looks healthy i think i like it speaking of vinyl yeah let's let's do this real quick let's pop this open let's see what let's see what uh let's see how uh mr ace reacts to this record i have here got my handy dandy knife here this was from Frontier Records, if that's a clue. Frontier Records. I might know Records. what this is. I might know what this is. I think you already know. And I'm I sure could, whatever it is, I have it. You probably do have it. And I got to tell you, it's an, it's an album that I should have owned many, many years ago, and I didn't. And I always wanted to rectify it. It's too expensive. This is just sort of like a build-up guessing game. It was too expensive to buy an original one. I did see an original once for $120. I just was like, I can't justify spending that much money on any lp i don't you know i do own some misfits vinyl but i've or whatever danzig 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 band era vinyl yeah. whatever just like from a danzig band i've never paid more than 55 dollars because it's not it's not that like i just i just can't 
I, I like, I want to own it and I like the look and the aesthetic. I don't care if some of it is not genuine is my, yeah, is my I get point. that. I get that. Um, because especially with that market has just gotten so ridiculous. I, oh, it's absurd. I just bought a bunch of stuff off of eBay. Somebody put up their whole collection. Oh, really? Of, of nothing super insane, but there were a couple pieces like, uh, some, uh, earth AD variants and, uh, Ooh. And some, it was mostly newer stuff. It was like collection two and uh, like all the color variants and uh, what. I got to tell you, I'm pretty pissed right now. What's wrong? Because the fucking, the it's damaged. Wow. Good thing. Wow. That sucks, dude. Look at that corner. Ooh, that's brutal, man. I, I think I might message them. I, that really upsets me. Wow. I, I mean, is I paid what, 20 bucks. I paid 20 bucks for it. Yeah. I think I know what record it is just because I saw the font on the back, but what, what, do you, what record do you think this is? Oh, it's Christian <laughs> death. Yes, it is. Yeah. Only theater pain. I bought only theater pain. So the, the, the actual vinyl, this, this is a, I think this is a runoff. This is runoff and it is, um, it is, uh, it was $140 with the book and everything. And I just was like, oh, yeah. they were selling, they were selling just the LP for, for 20 bucks. And I was like, does it come with a sleeve? If it comes with a sleeve, if it, if it comes with a sleeve, I'll, I'll buy it. And it's colored vinyl, which I love. And what do you know what color it is? Or is it I have no clue. Let's find out. We're going to find okay. out right now, but I got to tell you, I like a part of me is like, it's not like I'm ever going to resell it. I want to own yeah. the album. So what do I care if it's a little damaged? Should I just like, do I just let it go? I would just keep it. It's I mean, just, it was I, 20 just, I have stuff like that. Yeah. For 20 bucks. I mean, whatever. If it was like some OG pressing, I would be fuming, but yeah, that would be, that would be a travesty. All right. Let's $20. What color? what color? What, uh, guess the color. What do you think it's going to be? Uh, I'm going to guess red, but who knows? I don't remember. I, I I genuinely don't remember. Let's find out. We're gonna find okay. out right now. Hold on, guys. One second. Uh, it is it is bittersweet though to see the sleeve like that. I was not expecting that. Freaking mail, man. Yeah, it US, is. US, man. It's red. I knew it. <laughs> it's red. That might have been. I might have subconsciously already known what they were doing. Oh, with them. oh, it has a lyric sheet in it. Yeah, I'm happy. That's really it's a cool. fantastic record. I, I do yeah, admittedly have a first pressing of that. <laughs> wow. That, yeah. That's insane, dude. Yeah. Yeah. I've got that. And then probably everything through the atrocities record, which is the first uh, record where uh, uh, Valor took over. Valor sang. Yeah. Thank you. I couldn't remember his freaking name. Yeah. Okay. I have, I think I have through sexy death God. Okay. But like, atrocities is a good record actually That's a, I, it's a fantastic the production on that is stellar yeah 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 that was uh, i remember i i distinctly that's the one where it's, it's like a concept down about like the yeah. holocaust or something yeah yeah, yeah. um yeah that yeah, one some of the lyrics are like if you google them or whatever it's like really you know very yeah. macabre yeah um i first of all i love the the Roz williams valor albums yeah Catastrophe uh, Ballet thank, and Ashes. Thank you. I was like, I know I have them. <laughs> I don't remember what they're called. The Death Wish EP that sits between the first and second album, I think is, I think, 
it, or maybe it was before the first record. It I love that. Been, it might have been demos before the first album, but don't. I'm not as much. Yeah, not I, much I just know it's some French label put it out, and they consider right. it a, a you know like a canonical re- release or whatever you want to call it. But I like the some of the versions because some of Only Theater of Pain stuff is on there as well. Right. Uh, but right. that that is my favorite era, mostly because. Um, Rick Agnew is one of right. my all-time favorite guitar players. I mean, if we're going to talk about punk rock, uh, I mean that guy. His, do you, if, do you play guitar at all? I I am a I am a, the probably the most passionate uh, non-musician music enough. music guy ever. So. Understood. Well, yeah. he he kind of uh, started the whole trend of playing these things called octaves which is okay. what like all of adolescence di bad religion no effects pennywise every punk band after that's like southern california utilizes right, right. and it totally all stems back to rick agnew's guitar playing so huh yeah um i yeah i what's amazing too is Roz williams is obviously the mastermind behind christian death but yeah it, you know rick agnew he co-wrote all those songs he co-wrote yeah. with rick agnew rick agnew is the is the musical side of that band and um and and most people don't realize this but sleepwalk which is yeah. on catastrophe ballet was also written by rick agnew that is still that's like one of the last things the original the christian death. yeah, yeah. It's one of the last things they did and then that carried over and like I said, that entire album of, you know, Electra descending at the wall, um, just like all of the, when, when evening comes, all of those songs are phenomenal. Um, uh, uh, Ashes is not, Ashes is okay. It's a little wishy-washy. Yeah. Face, face on Ashes yeah. is like the uh, a fire track, just comes out of nowhere. Could someone take care of the bot in the chat, please? I don't know if... Uh, if Rue is still there, Rue, take care of this bot or anybody who's a mod. Somebody. What's the bot saying? What are they the saying? Bot, the bot is selling. Um, it's, as you can see, I'll just flash it for you because I can't, see I can't it. say it on the air. Oh, can't okay. It. No, okay. Yeah. It's just one I, of those situations. Now you piqued my curiosity there. <laughs> yeah, okay. of course. Yeah, we get them every once in a while. Um, sometimes we get. Uh, Sometimes we get we get various distractions from time to time. So I have mods in here that help out because they're on the Got streams. Rue has been with me since for for two years now. Rue is yeah. Been, I uh, see Rue's name in here every time I pop in. Good, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's we have a nickname from Rue Morg. And what was amazing is we so uh, Robbie Bloodshed is on who's a friend of the show and comes on a lot. Rob, they they threw a whole show. They threw to, they put together a show under the banner of this kind of show of the, whatever this is, uh, at, at in Lodi at the V at the VFW where Glenn's oh, mom used to volunteer. I, I saw some of that video. Yeah, okay, from, from so Robbie. you know, yeah. yeah so yeah. so it was really cool to like meet people that like came on the chat, but I've never met in real life. They were all there. It was a, such a wonderful little like. Uh, uh, just sort of, I don't know, meet and greet, like celebration, like we all meeting and greeting each other and hanging out, and um, it's fun. Yeah, you know, cool. I, well, I, I love it because to me, it's it it, and I commented this a while ago under like my YouTube uh, name was something, you know, like something else, something weird. But all of this takes me back to, uh, you know, why I love 
your show and especially all the misfits relate or whatever you want to call it related stuff is yeah. it reminds me of the misfits bible and mark kennedy and all that stuff in the 90s right. because as as a little i mean really a little boy like at 12 years old i discovered this band you know between the fact that metallica was the biggest band in the world and all this stuff and i somebody bought me i think for my 12th birthday or something like that a coffee table book uh on metallica and it was all pre black album era so every okay. fucking shirt every photo someone's wearing a misfit shirt. right and right. you know it was before the internet and uh, i don't think you and i are too much you're what mid 30s i'm 85 okay i was born december 82 so i'm 39 now yeah and so um you know uh and it took me it took me till i was in high school before i put two and two together that the singer of danzig was the singer of the misfits just you know whatever and, and what was the uh, reaction at that time to just like melt your mind? Uh, it made sense, but I just was like, oh, because like, I, you know, was still maybe I was I was in eighth grade to correct myself because super nerdy with that stuff. But <laughs> I got I just I glommed on and then I somehow stumbled across, you know, in the adolescent form of the Internet, this this Misfits Bible thing and used to go back and forth. And I used to email with John and Erie and Bobby and all these people. And, you know, I was a kid. I was like 12, 13, 14 and it was really sort of kind of shaped a lot of what has now become sort of inadvertently a career. Um, but it just meant, meant so much to me as arguably probably similar to yourself where like the misfits, Sam Hain Danzig is sort of encompasses my favorite, uh, band artist, you know? Right. And, right. Um, totally. you know, uh, you know, up there with like Bowie and Alice Cooper and Johnny Cash and stuff like that. And, uh, and then, you know, I went on with my life and, uh, yeah. sorry, Angus. And, and then I came across this, your, your thing. Uh, I think it was the Lodi thing. Um, yeah, they came from Lodi. Yeah. I heard about yeah. that. I, I, it had to have been at least a year ago, if not longer. Oh, wow. Ago, oh, shit. 18 months ago. <laughs> okay. Okay. And, I didn't know and that. I was like, all right, all right. And I, you know, I caught a couple of your shows a couple times. And then I was like, I want to talk to this guy. I want to, I want to be involved, <laughs> you know, cause like I still, I, you know, I, uh, I consider Doyle a friend now. Not, I don't want to do a name droppy shit, but like Zing is a friend. Um, you know, Bob, I talked to Bobby not too long ago, maybe last month, uh, you know, about some stuff I'll tell you another time. And, you know, so it's gone from being like my favorite type of band to like, got like, you know, Doyle shoot me a text on my birthday hey bro miss you love you happy birthday and and nice. i'm like you know you're like right on bro nice to hear from you and then i go wait a minute hang on my 16 year old self is going to cry you know but it, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. it's such a great thing and and uh i just appreciate your format uh and and honoring all all of that kind of stuff because there's so many of us fiends uh out there i remember when american psycho came out and i was like wait no there's a new misfits album you know and i love it i love all that so i i again i'm over stating the obvious but i really uh i really dig the show and i think it's just a really cool thing to you know you know what it is it's like in. it's like it's just about like acknowledging the fact that we love this shit not yeah. apologizing for it because everybody has to apologize for the shit that they love no and it's just like it's like like you know without having to be too cool for school and it's like hey look if you want to talk about like minutiae that's literally what the internet is for. Like, I never understand when people get upset to me, they're like, dude, like, like, why are you analyzing these lyrics? Like, shut up. And it's like, yeah. dude, this is the internet. Yeah. There's like a billion videos. And like, 
you know, we want to analyze lyrics. So what? So don't yeah. watch it. Like that's yeah. the whole don't, point. Don't don't yuck on my yums, bro. <laughs> don't yuck on my yums, dude. <laughs> don't yuck on my yums. No, but it's like, um, and yeah, and and that's yeah. I mean, all of this stuff is born out of that whatever this like thing that you know whatever this developed thing is, all just all born out of like the passion for pouring over it and talking and absolutely yes it totally comes originally mark kennedy was the template and i yeah. interviewed mark many many years ago for this project this project i had had been in development for years and years and years and i kept it off the internet for many obvious reasons and then one day it was just like you know what fuck it i'm just gonna start talking about this stuff because i feel like it and yeah, yeah suddenly this stuff that i had literally all of this stuff that i talk about on the internet that I had kept to myself for years, the guy who never shuts the fuck up, like, or who, who would shut the fuck up for many, many years, suddenly never shuts the fuck up. And I just started talking about it. And you know what? I, uh, now Steve Zing decides to call me when we've started the, <laughs> the thing. I can't talk, Steve. It'll have to wait. I'll, 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 text, I'll admit him back. text him and be like, why are you interrupting <laughs> my show, bro? <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, dude, that's that's what it's all about. And yeah, I that was a little bit. So my my time with Misfit Central starts in the aughts, uh, a little bit, a little bit later, like two thousand maybe two thousand one is when I when that when the chat the the forum was very very lively, and then that disappeared with the advent of like Facebook, made that obsolete. Yeah, and yeah. and now it's like it doesn't exist. It's everything's on Facebook now. And you just all, all, suddenly, like never before, even more so than all the people that were on Misfit Central and, you know, just whatever, everybody has found themselves on in Facebook or whatever and starts to connect and tweet and pour over this stuff. And it's awesome. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, go well, ahead. I was just going to say at the end of the day, you know, regardless of, you know, whatever. Uh, I, I'm, I'm always a fan first. So, you know, like I was just some dorky kid and, uh, right. the fact that I, you know, I get to play in a band for a living or whatever, or worked with so ever and, or talk to whoever, uh, you know, it's like I was a fan first. And so mm -hmm. it, it's, it's, you know, still carries through and, and you're saying like, uh, talking about too cool or anything like that. I mean, like I'm in a, house full of horror movie posters and toys and like dogs and like there's no such thing as too cool you know it's like i want my whole life to be like an episode of scooby-doo it should be like spooky <laughs> and fun i don't want it to be like oh i'm you know with my nose stuck up in the air that's not that's not cool so let me ask you this so sure. okay so you, you you have the metallica you have the metallica coffee table book and you're looking through and you see those shirts and what is going what do you remember going through your mind when you're seeing those shirts and, and like, it, it, does that, does that make you itchy? Does that like send you on like a sort of a, a quest to, to, to learn more? Yeah. Well, I'll give you about 30 seconds of backstory. Sure. So uh, by that point, you know, 11, 12 years old, pre pre teens. So 12, uh, yeah. my, my my all my bonding with my father at that time was mostly over horror movies. Um, he was a big fan of all the classic black and white stuff and, and, and turned me on to Vincent Price and Christopher Lee and all the obvious stuff. And so um, I had a as a little as a kid, you know, 10, 11, 12 years old, I was already passionate about horror movies. Right. And I also lived with a single mom who would do the whole, 
you know, she had her two jobs back to back and she'd run me into the video store, pick something out, come back in the car and let's go. And I'd go home and I'd have like Return of the Living Dead or Creep Show yes. or House on Haunted Hill or whatever. I'd be clutching my VHS like, I hope she doesn't see the cover. I hope she doesn't see that it's Hellraiser <laughs> 2 and that there's boobies in it or whatever. Right. And uh, <laughs> and so that was, I was already there. And then another thing I guess that ties in is uh, uh, my cousin is Mark Lester who directed um, Commando oh, yeah. and Firestarter and Class of 84. And, Dude, uh, your cousin of- is Mar- wait, you, wait, yeah. your cousin is yeah. Mark Lester? Yeah, his mom is my mom's sister. She she's Holy uh, shit. She's almost 100, but I talk to her probably twice a week. Her name's Jerry. I love her to death. She's like my God bless, what be, man. Would be would be my grandmother. And Mark is the same age as would be the same age as my mom. My mom's passed as well. And so uh my, oh my so God. Mark Mark and his sister yeah, uh, my cousins are the same age as my mom. So they were kind of raised around the same thing. So mm-hmm. Mark's mom is sort of like was kind of like the matriarch of the family. So she was always kind of like my mom's mom, if that makes sense. And so ergo, yeah, kind of like my grandmother. And when you and I confirmed this, this, what a couple date, what a week ago, or whatever, I was on the phone with Jerry with Mark's mom. Oh. And so I was on set for class of 99. I'm getting goosebumps as a little boy. So like the, it, are you familiar with the sequel class of 99? I fucking love class of 99. So and, do I. So, you know, when the wow. robot's climbing up the ladder. Yes. And uh, yes. Like the tr- climax, I was on set for that. Wow. And so, and I don't know what year that was. I was single digits still, but uh, just between my relationship with my dad, it was late, like 88, maybe 89, 90. Yeah. Something like that. Yes. 90, 91, maybe yes. I was, I had to have been still single digits. So these little things, you know, with the Mark and, and then I wanted to do movie makeup, uh, you know, special effects mm-hmm. and my dad and all these things. Uh, and then combined with like discovering Metallica and all this stuff, um, you know, living in the suburbs and whatnot and mm-hmm. getting kind of adjusted to like what we now know as punk rock. I was like, there's this band called the Ram, the Ram ones. I want to check out, you know, <laughs> Ram one. and, uh, and I just saw it, you know, it all looked kind of spooky, vaguely spooky. It was like Skull, Misfits, Fiend Club. Mm-hmm. What is this? And I went to a record store and I got a copy of Walk Among Us. And I just remember picking it up and looking at it and being like, it looks kind of like Kiss, like kind of goofy, but still kind of mm-hmm. spooky. But I remember turning it over and looking at the, at the uh, song titles and being like, this sounds like horror movie songs. And, you know, you're a kid. I was got my allowance. I took it home. It was probably like eight ninety nine, and right. a light flip, a light switch turned on. And I was like, oh, this is my favorite band forever. This is it. And, uh, you know, kind of went through that whole thing. And then shortly after collection two came out, I remember getting that and not understanding, you know, like, cause there was the internet was such a, you know, I had to like go to the library to use it you know it wasn't just like on my phone and right. so i was trying to oh my god dogpile.com yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 trying to like decipher like you know w- w- you know why is this song only on this album and why does right. this sound so much better and all these things and i remember going to my dad and being like there's a band and they have a song called vampira remember that terrible movie called plan nine you made me watch well there's a song about it you know and him being totally unimpressed and it just, and then that, you know, talking to my sister about that, I have a much older sister and she was like, oh yeah, now you're ready to hear the damned. Okay. Let's take you down the road. Oh, hole. nice. Oh, so she and, turned you on. And weirdly enough, she just texted me. That's so strange. Um, so yeah. So, and then I, off I went, I just went down the, 
sort of, uh, I guess, punk rock rabbit hole. But I was also listening to stuff that, you know, I was listening to beforehand, like the Beach Boys and Chubby Checker and Johnny Cash. So do I. So do I. Yeah, I just saw him here in Nashville about a month ago. Um, And then, you know, Metallica and Soundgarden, all the things that were going on. And then getting into punk rock, but not knowing that it was called punk rock, but just your friend's older brother being like, here's this tape. It's this band called the Dead Kennedys. You're right. This you know, and then I got into passage. Yeah. Right. of passage. A couple years went by. I got into high school. That's when it became clicky. It was like the punks here, the goth kids here, the metal Uh kids here. You had to be one or the other. And I was like, well, I like all these things. By that time I already had like only theater of pain on cassette and, Mm -hmm. uh, and atrocities and just what I liked what I liked. And, uh, and I think I carry that through into adulthood with my record collection is super eclectic. I'll go from carcass to, Enya in an afternoon, like without flinching, you know, just because I like what I like. I, I like eclectic. I'm eclectic yeah. as well. I, I jump, I, I run, I run the gambit. And I think that it just makes us more well-rounded, you know, oh, don't, absolutely. absolutely. we don't have to, we don't have to be on brand. You don't have to fit into this box. I was just looking up Mark L. Lester's filmography while you were talking. Cause I wanted yeah. to confirm. Okay. So he did commando. Yeah. He did firestarter. I yes, so I have Screen Factory edition of Class of '84, and I also have '99 somewhere, and then yeah. there's Class of 1999 Part Two, yeah. which is so like so weak sauce. It's he also good. he also produced Funhouse, which was that Toby with Hooper. Toby Hooper. Yeah. Wow, yeah, that is so cool. You're freaking related to Mark Lester, dude. Yeah, I I tried to wrangle him because for a while I was doing some uh periodic convention appearances which was a blast which is how i got to become friends with a a lot of the sort of horror community actors and directors and stuff like Mm -hmm. people we people we know and uh i tried to wrangle him in to do some convention appearances because he'd never really done them at least domestically right and um and it didn't end up working out i can't remember why but uh I was really hoping that he would make an appearance here or there because I know there's so many people that love those films. Oh, uh, fuck yeah, dude. Really, uh, truly. The, and it's his name is escaping me. It's on the tip of my tongue. Australian actor. He plays Wes in Road Warrior. He's got oh, a little yeah. Friggin' um uh I'm going to be I'm going to be interviewing him. Really? Or, yeah, um uh Vernon Wells. I'm going Vernon to Vernon Wells, thank yes, you. At, I at met the him. Mahoney. At the Mahoney Drive-In, we're doing two Q and A's. Oh. I'm I'm conducting two Q and A's with Vernon Wells. What are they showing? We're, so it's Mad. It's all Mad Max movies. It's Mad Max uh, Road Warrior on one night. That's yeah. the Joe Bob Briggs uh, thing, and then it's uh, it's um, Thunderdome and Fury Road the next night. And I believe I don't know if I'm doing both Q and A's or just one that was not made w- clear to me. Yeah. I was just told, and you know, um, uh, Tank who, you know, who was on the show and is, uh, 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 guys, uh, Jonathan Grimm, who, who yeah. did the first, uh, the Grimm tales, he is, he's involved with the event and, uh, his wife who, what's funny is they met, he met his wife. They just had a, a, a baby girl. Um, they met because they were doing a, a documentary about tank who called called the human action figure because there's a lot of like cosplaying stuff and whatnot, yeah. but he's known as the humongous. He's known like people actually have taken photos of Tank and share them around the the internet, and people awesome. think that it's the that's original. He, he's humongous, except he has a misfits tattoo on his arm, and that's how. I, I mean, I could tell you could tell because like his he's very very um, P 
period accurate with all of his cosplay stuff. He's like meticulous, which yeah. comes from his misfits. It's Just a step away from the gasoline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, <laughs> okay. He's great, dude. Uh, uh, Tank oh, is such Tank a is real trip. But yeah, Vernon Wells, dude, is is the shit. I met him at a convention and it didn't awesome. occur to me that he's in commando. Yes, he and, is. And he's got the, you know, convention. So it's eight by tens. And I was like, what? and I was like, Oh, I did. I just, you know, I hadn't watched the movie in a minute. Yeah. And then he, I said, you know, Mark is my cousin. And he goes, no, cause we had met already just from the organizer yeah. of the thing. And I, you know, I was like, hang, hang on. And I was like, beep, beep, boop, boop. And I was like, Mark, I'm here with Vernon Wells. And he goes, please tell him I said hello. And he was, you know, <laughs> I haven't talked to him since 85, you know, that's great. So, oh, very cool. Oh, I love that. And and I, you mentioned Joe Bob. I just got tickets to his show here in Nashville next month. I'm such a uh, same oh, thing. What's he with doing my dad. out there? What, what's he doing out there? In well, Nashville? he's touring the uh, what is it? Uh, uh, the last drive-in or whatever, or the drive. The yeah, it's got it's more specific than that. it's like how the drive-in saved something or or whatnot. And uh, nice. I assume I assume it's kind of like a spoken word thing. But he's also appearing at a convention at the same time. But I actually, uh, tying into that, um, yeah. I just did a song. Uh-oh. Did I freeze or did Mark? Who froze, guys? Did I freeze or did he freeze? Did I freeze? I don't know. It might have been me. That happens sometimes. I'm sorry. Are you? Okay, we're back. Go ahead. Continue. I'm listening. Um, the most recent episode of Joe Bob Briggs' The Last Drive-In yeah. had, had a song in it called uh, Stick Shift Drive-In Love that I wrote, co-wrote and performed on. Oh, Cool. We gotta have. Yeah. I gotta gotta check that out. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, John Brennan, the music director supervisor, uh, and I started going back and forth, kind of like your Christopher Jimenez story, just on yeah. the internet. Like, hey, he was like, oh, I love LA Guns, and I was like, dude, I love the show. Uh, I'm a fan. Going back to Monster Vision, watching the '90s with my dad, right? And uh, you know, just thanks for the what's up, you know? And he goes, would you ever want to collaborate on something? I was like, fucking yeah, yes. How about tomorrow? And so he sent me something maybe a month or two later and we went back and forth and then it was kind of like hush. And I was like, I guess I'll hear when I hear. And he goes, okay, so you're, we're just shot this sequence for your song. And, and, uh, and Joe Bob's all dressed up. He looks like he's in steel Panther. And, uh, you know, it was one of those things where as like, a, again, as a fan, I was like, oh, you know, it's it's dorky. But I was like, this is so cool, like to be involved. And they're pressing yeah. it on a seven inch, you know, I was like, that's yeah, awesome. that's awesome. So so can we I just uh, without 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 running the full gambit to touch sure. on your musical career for a minute. Yeah, you have you have been in a lot of different bands and they yeah. are in a lot of different genres yep. of music, some of which I am incredibly unversed in. Like I <laughs> <Same>. know, <laughs> I know virtually, I know very, very little about LA guns. I know right. that, that, um, I know that that was like, eventually that that band split off into, you know, two guns different other bands, right? Yeah. Guns yeah. and Roses. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and you were also involved with, uh, faster pussycat and, uh, uh, and us bombs. Um, what, so where you're not like, that's, what's interesting about you. It seems as a musician, like a lot of musicians in general, not, not that they necessarily are like stay in a box, but generally when it comes to like what they're doing they're they, it's like they're in a box. You seem yeah. to sort of run the gambit. Like you yeah. like, you're very versatile in play going from like, say punk rock to, I don't know what you 
what what the 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 appropriate genre you would say is metal some sort of metal for yeah 80s like hard hard rock 80s, 80s hard 80s rock, rock like air metal yeah. is yeah, yeah, yeah rock yeah there's so many uh you know sub genres or nicknames or 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 you know derogatory marks or whatever you want to call it but yeah i i, I kind of ended up there uh inadvertently if you if you want because i'm kind of accustomed to it i can give you the like 90 second rundown from yeah like, yeah do it i i don't okay. know it tell me tell me let's hear it. okay so uh you know i, I say i could do this real quick um i started a band <laughs> i started a band in my junior year in high school so i was 17 years old actually started on my 17th birthday and within six months we were playing with national acts we actually played with the misfits um oh nice uh, uh and we became within one year period because we were only a band for about two years uh like the by that point my mom and my stepdad moved me to san diego so from 15 to 19 i lived in san diego and okay. so within a year within six months we were playing with um you know youth brigade and the misfits and the uk subs and uh and then even like bucko nine and something corporate and like all these anything punk adjacent mm -hmm. and um and and then within a year or less, I started uh, becoming, I guess, a promoter. And I was booking. I would bring bands down, like I, you know, national acts, and I yeah, uh, would bring yeah. the Skulls down. And the Partisans from the UK came over. I booked their show. And there were so many people that I knew then that have also now graduated to a career. Like my buddy Kevin was in a band called the Skulls. We used to play together all the time. He's about a year younger than me, and now he's in Green Day. So there's huh. a lot of guys I knew when I was cutting my teeth that also kind of we've sort of met, you know, I, I ran into a guy here in town that I hadn't seen since I was 20. So we hadn't seen each other in 18 years. And and now he's in a band called Bayside and they're huge. And so and and I shortly thereafter meeting him or before I met him, took them on one of their first tours when I was in another band. So I'll, I'll get there. So then uh, that band, I met a bunch of people and then it got to the point where people were asking me to join their band on guitar. Uh, I got invited to go audition for a band called One Man Army from the Bay Area. That never came to fruition. Uh, I got asked to join a band called The Generators from Los Angeles. So I'll come back to that. Uh, I got asked to join a band called Madcap out of LA as well. It had a little record deal. And so, because I was booking, I would bring them down and, you know, somebody would quit or get fired or whatever. And they'd be like, that guy was cool. Long story long. Uh, I agreed to, uh, to join Madcap. Me and some buddies start a fun band for shits and giggles called cheap sex the name was supposed to be you know tongue-in-cheek and we do an album uh i probably did five shows with the band and then i went and focused on uh madcap i joined that band i was 19 years old that was those guys gave me before i got to my first show in florida as part of my hazing made me drive across country in this econo line oh you man. know pulling a trailer and i'm you know i'm like 19 like oh my god and uh, that was where I first got my nickname Ace uh, coming from those guys. I saved us from getting in an accident. My singer was all uh, little partied out of his mind. He's like, yeah, oh, yeah. you ace that, man. This new guy, Ace, check him out. Ace. And so uh, I love it. It, it's nuts. It, it had nothing to do with Kiss. And it took about two, <laughs> two years before I stopped hating it because I hated it for a while. But now it's I think name. it's awesome. It's awesome. Thanks. And so I uh, did that. We toured for, I mean, incessantly, eight, six, seven, eight, nine, ten months out of the year, just back to back to back, put out a record uh, on Victory with producer Ted Hutt, which was cool. He went on to win a Grammy with uh, uh, my buddy uh, Brian and, and uh, the um, uh, Gaslight Anthem. And uh, and so that band dissolved. By that point, I was like 21, 22. I, I went back to the Generators. My first tour with them was in Europe supporting the U.S. bombs. I already had a relationship with Dwayne Peters by that point from a 
a bunch of little things. And uh, Carrie Martinez, the lead guitar player in that band, and I were already buddies and is still a really close friend of mine. And uh, I did that. Uh, I got close with a guy named Todd Youth at that point. Oh, I know uh, Todd Youth. Yep. And Todd had a band called the Chelsea Smiles, whose bass player keeps texting me. His name's Johnny Martin. Johnny Martin is currently in LA Guns. So, ah. um, so I'm sort of segueing slowly out of punk rock. And wait, wait can uh, I just interrupt one second? Sure. So Chelsea Smiles. So that that's also when so Todd leaves Danzig yes. along with Howie Pyro to start what was originally called something else. Right. Because they had a deal, but the deal fell through. Correct. Right? Yeah. They had a deal with a major. They, right. And then that, and then that eventually evolved into Chelsea smiles. Got it. Correct. Yeah. And I actually, I never got on stage with them, but uh, I was set to fill in with them. They had some shows with cheap trick. I don't remember the timeline, but I, I was later on. I was already in pussycat by that point. And then the cheap trick shows got canceled. And I was so bummed because I just wanted to see cheap trick three nights in mm. a row. But so I was a, a, a protege of Todd Youth. And at some point, um, excuse me, he uh, set pizza coming up. At yeah. some point, he there was a Murphy's Law tour of Japan. It was like 30 days. Oh, um, and, you know, which is kind of like touring California. It's a, it's a really relatively small country. And so he goes, I know you can deal with, you know, Dwayne Peters and crazy volatile people you can easily deal with Jimmy G and Murphy's law. Are you interested? And I was like, yeah, fucking, I love Murphy's law, you know, quest for herb. And so yeah. he put me on the phone with Jimmy and he was like, what's up? Todd says you're a tough kid. And I was like 22 or three already. And, uh, and there's so many other things that I'm missing. Like, uh, right, right, I right. lived with, uh, are you familiar with the bouncing souls? Of, oh, dude. I, yes. And I interviewed oh, them, uh, okay. many, many years ago. Yes. So the, the Greg, the singer, his wife, uh, Shanti, she was a solo artist for a while. So I was her guitar player around that time too. And oh. I lived with, I lived with her and Greg for probably two years. Wow. Uh, actually, if you do you know the, the gold album, the gold record? Yes, I, I do. I, I sing on that. Oh, do you? Uh, yeah. I back up vocals. If you look in the tiny liner notes, it's like, uh, Chuck, it's Chuck. 2012 maybe no way before that it's like oh five maybe okay um and it, anyhow it's just a little, yeah, little yeah. Cl- you want the uh cliff notes version i'm trying to get all the cool right parts. right 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 so i do a thing with murphy's law we used to like two shows in the new york area we go to japan uh we do what is it 29 shows and 30 was that your was that your first experience in japan going there yeah. have you been there have you been there before you know that was there? my first and only time there and i keep it must have been magical I've, dude oh my god i've had four japanese tours get canceled on me over the last 10 years so i've just oh. given up on it ever happening again but it'll happen again i hope so i hope so but i love it over there i i i, I love the culture the people uh-huh. are very courteous and kind uh mm-hmm. the, the food as a guy who's like a sushi guy yeah yeah uh, yeah and asian food i i was just loving it and they're so enamored with american pop culture so there was right. just so much it, it's kind of like being in Times square but in japanese so it was just yeah. everywhere can, can i say one other thing too what yeah. i find very interesting it's funny that you bring that up you said they're so enamored with american culture what's interesting is you'll see and I don't want to get, this is not getting into, I don't want to get into a whole thing, people. I'm just bringing this up because yeah. we're specifically talking about Japan and the Japanese. Um, the, uh, there's a lot, sometimes you hear, the uh, point is I'm not trying to put a, a, a thing out there about what I think about cultural appropriation or not about cultural appropriation. What mm-hmm. I want to say is in context of the Japanese, the Japanese 
they they honor and they venerate things that they didn't necessarily come up with and that they embody. You see it in a variety of different subcultures. I don't even want to get into what they are. They're just, there are tons of them. And it just is, it's, it's, it never gets brought up in the, in the conversation about this idea of like, it does, is there cultural appropriation? What is cultural appropriation? Because you look at the Japanese and how they are so, they love this thing and that they're so respectful of it and that they embody it and that they embody it with respect and that it comes from this place of deep admiration. It's not about like, you know, exploitation of any kind. It's like, I love this thing and I'm just like, I want to make it a part of my life. And nobody does that better than the Japanese. It's like this beautiful thing. And I've seen various different vice videos about how like you just have all like there's the rockabilly thing oh you know yeah. it's just, like there's all these thing. different very interesting sort of um uh uh, uh subcultures in japan and it yeah. just it's an interesting thing to add to that whole conversation controversy whatever you want to call it sorry please continue no, it's okay that's just good yeah no and it, but you're right they're definitely i mean there's there's like a la guns tribute band in japan i forgot lo i think it's lo guns and nice. He, and there's like a guy that when I joined the band, then was like messaged me that was like, "How do I look like you?" Like, <laughs> like okay, that's cool. Um, so I went to Japan then, and at the same time, I was still working with Dwayne. We had a project called the Dwayne Peters Gunfight. Uh, I joined before the first album came out, although I'm not on it. And then we did a second record later on. Uh, also did the thing we kind of touched on this earlier uh, this week. Uh, did that sort of flash in the pan project with Dwayne and then Greg Keen from TSOL um that is the, so the, cool the, that you the, played there. with fucking greg dude uh so we had that uh, project called the great unwashed and um and so that was cool just because i really admire his his body work working with x and bob dylan and tsol obviously you worked the with bob D- what did he do with oh bob yeah dylan? he was like his touring keyboard player he was with berlin Get for a long time he was with uh the church for a long time i think he's on that big church album uh the one with uh really Oh, what's that ballad? That beautiful ballad. Uh, the whatever the biggest song by the church is. Okay, uh, he plays on that. He's on that record. Of course, I can hear the melody, but I can't explain it. Are you familiar with Fiddler at all? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah uh, that blows I, my I, mind well, too. When we were rehearsing for uh, <laughs> uh, for the Great Unwashed, it was at Greg's house, so his kids were already kind of like popping up and like wow. you, know, you could tell they were kind of like getting interested in music max and, and elvis that's yes, so cool man you. that is so freaking under the cool. under my girlfriend just texted me under the milky way is the song i'm thinking of by the church and uh thank you babe and uh thank you for the help yeah and uh god it's a great song and so but working with greg was cool he's such a great guy and so talented oh, yeah. he does a lot of scoring and stuff so blah blah, blah murphy's law uh, and then that kind of segued to eventually I would join the bombs, uh, briefly. Uh, we did a whole two month tour of Europe, which was a disaster. Dwayne got fu- not fired, but went home and we had to like, we had like Texas Terry sing for some songs and just like random me- just a mess. And then, uh, I came home and at some point the guy that was booking all of Dwayne Peters stuff is a guy named Charlie Overby. And here's where it gets sort of more into like my career. And so Charlie, I was probably. 25 24 25 charlie goes hey man like you know i see you playing with the gunfight and whatever you 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 look cool you know you long hair tattooed guy 
what are you doing in these punk bands? You should be in like a rock band. And I was like, this is my meal ticket right here. I said, well, what do you got? And he says, <laughs> he says, uh, oh, I saw that tour. The Agnostic Front, Dropkick, US Bombs were a great package uh, way back. Hellcat Records tour, like 99 or something like that. Uh, he says maybe it was 98. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect. Uh, great lineup. And so he brought me into this project called Charlie and the Valentine Killers. Uh, don't look for it. It's really, I, I don't think there's anything digitally. <laughs> but we, um, because my singer was a booking agent, he had his finger on the pulse of all this stuff. And so his band was, at the time, it was like Brian Forsyth from Kicks, who ironically lives a walking distance from me now. Uh, Jerry Montano on bass, who we know. Jerry! Yes, Jerry is arguably probably the closest thing to a big brother I've ever had, or one of. Such, and an, such an awesome dude. Sorry, continue, continue. Good people, awesome good people. I wouldn't be sitting here if it wasn't for Jerry. And so um, Jerry and Chad Stewart, who is in Faster Pussycat and was at the time as well, and who and just rotating guys. And so I joined this band, and we went out on tour with David Allen Coe. We did some shows wow. with Reverend Horton Heat. We did some shows with Headcat, with Lemmy and Slim Jim from Stray Cats. And, wow. <laughs> um, and so I really shifted. And, but it, it was kind of an Americana. It was like social distortion meets Springsteen or something like that, you know, and uh, or the Heartbreakers or whatever, uh, Tom Petty. And and I was meeting guys and working with guys. And that's how uh, Jerry was like, I'm going to start a band. And then now we're 20 years or not 20 years, 15, 12 years later, we're talking about doing more music together. And that's so... He brought me, oh yeah, the Humpers. I, I talk to Rob every once in a while. Great I man. like the um, Humpers a lot. I do, I do too. Um, and so Jerry brought me into his thing, which segued into us doing a record with a guy named James Murray, who's no longer with us. James is the guy, I don't know how much you know digging you did, but uh, James brought me in on a session for uh, uh, one of the first Michael Jackson posthumous sessions they did for his album, Michael. Um, and whoa, so- whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, pause the tape, sure. pause the tape. Wait. You're telling me you played on Michael Jackson tracks? I played on a Michael Jackson track that at the last minute got cut from the album. Holy shit. Womp, womp. <laughs> it's out there. Uh, and and if you want that story, I'll, I'll, I'll tell it to you. Yes. Uh, so James, I met, um, he's no longer with us, but um, James was a big engineer. I mean, he did like a ton of... Um, like kind of new metal stuff. I think like disturbed and drowning pool. Maybe you'd have to look James Murray, but he's out. His resume speaks for itself. And then he and his partner were the ones that would do like the overnight mixes for American idol. And he started working with all these big producers and all this stuff. And eventually he ended up uh, taking on a chunk of the songs for the album called Michael, which was the first right. uh, Michael Jackson album uh, posthumously after he passed. Right. And they basically said, you know, Jeff, you're producing these four songs. Uh, my dog over here is producing these four songs. This producer is getting these four songs and he's good for the, these four songs and whoever sort of turned in the best product, the, the estate and the label would pick and choose and whatever. And uh, I'm trying to really condense this story real quick. We were out drinking one night at the Burgundy room in Hollywood. And I was, uh, I was already in pussycat. So I was probably like 26, 27 and uh, 27, 28. And so what are you working on? Oh, just finishing up these MJ sessions, you know, right on. And he's, yeah, some guitars to do tomorrow. And I'm like, dude, fucking what's up, man? What's, call me, bro. And he, and he was like, oh, oh, yeah, you know, it's not up to me. Blah, blah, blah. And so we're drinking and it's, you know, one in the morning. He's like, all right, fuck it. You want to just come mess around the studio? <laughs> and so I show up. We get there. We jump on his Harley. We're both stupid idiot drunk. And we go over the hill into Burbank. 
and we walk in studio and I was like, do I need anything? And he's like, ah, it's just big deal studio. We got everything here. And they had, I don't know the timeline or what album or whatever's none of my business, but Lincoln park was in there that following week and they had cleared out all the equipment. And he was like, shit, there were yes. Two days ago, there were all these guitars and there was nothing. And then there was like a broom closet with like this dirty old white Stratocaster. And yeah. he was like, just we're, you know, cause it wasn't meant to be. Wait, anything. so this is at one in the morning. This is at like three in the morning. Oh and, my so, God. and so, uh, he goes, uh, you know, do you want to hear the track? And I just remember being like, I don't want to hear it. I just want to know what the BPM is like the, the tempo, right? And what key it's in. And he goes, it's in a minor and it's like one eighteen. And I said, all right, so I'm playing this strat plugged in direct. And he, you know, you can do change it the, through the computer and all that shit. Mm-hmm. And I'm just jamming along and he, and he goes, all right, do another one. We do another one, we do three takes. And then he puts his, you know, he grabs his cans. He goes, all right, you're done. Hang on. And he puts his headphones on and he starts chopping because that's what he does. And about five minutes go by and he plays me this song with these like, you know, the little accent things I did. And he goes, yeah, it's pretty cool, right? I said, yeah. And I recorded it on my phone. I've got it somewhere on an old phone. And I'm like, yeah, no, play it again. So, <laughs> so check it out. Check it out. That's that's not where the story ends. That's just bogus. Yeah. That's bogus. So we go get by that point it's the sun's coming up we go to some diner we get breakfast he drives me home blah 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 i get a phone call at like 9 a.m frantic and he goes what are you doing and i'm like hung over and sleeping he's like i need you to get back to the studio now uh the producer whose name is nephew he's a grammy winning michael jackson uh dr dre all these huge hip-hop artists is here and he likes what you did wow like oh okay so I, you know, throw myself together and I go over there and basically they just wanted me to punch up the guitar solo and they had me come back again. And there was like, all you know, a room full of like adults and suits kind of thing. Like, mm, mm, I don't know about that. <laughs> and, and off it went. And, and I, I had this delusions of grandeur, you know, like my, you know, looking at my one award here and, you know, like yeah, picturing, yeah, yeah. picturing my platinum Michael Jackson featuring yeah. Spawn Johnson, you know, my, my ego's growing six sizes and, uh, <laughs> And so he calls me about three or four months later and he goes, uh, I got some good news. I got some bad news. And, and he goes, and I said, well, give me the bad news first. He goes, your song did not make the album. And I was like, ah, you know, I'm on tour. I was in like a truck stop somewhere. And I was like, it's cool. That's fine. That's fine. And so um, he goes, we, it, you know, it was turned in by uh, another producer, Ted Templeman, maybe who turned in an alternate uh, alternate version that the label and the people in charge, uh, like better and it was more of a hip-hop contemporary so it's the same jackson track it's the same michael jackson vocals but they yeah. went in a completely different direction from yep it. they scratched the entire bed gotcha. tracks and just build their way up they go here's gotcha. the tempo and here's the key and the vocals and they just build everything underneath which is wow now you know studio magic you can do over in five minutes now right so uh they scratch it and he goes the the upside is uh uh, nephew really dug your vibe and we want to have you back when we work on the next batch of stuff, you know, so better than nothing. And he goes, and it'll probably come out eventually on some 20 year deluxe edition or whatever, because they, excuse me, they mixed and mastered it and turned it in. It was done. You know, I have a baked hard copy of it. That's like, this is what was supposed to go on the album. Wow. Masses. Mastered, so you say mastered and everything yeah, done. And wow. so, uh, and so, uh, a couple of years go by and I was talking to a girlfriend of mine, who's a, a huge entertainment lawyer. She handles like household name people. And, 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 and James had passed away maybe six months after he was in a terrible motorcycle accident. And, um, 
Sorry to hear and that. And so, yeah, me, thank you. And me too. And so that obviously nothing ever came from it. And I never got paid for the session. I never got anything. And so she was like, you have some kind of like squatters rights now. And, um, wow. you know, obviously you'd be going up against the Jackson estate. So basically long story long, she advised me to bootleg the track. And so I put it on SoundCloud maybe, or one of those hosting sites and it stayed up there for maybe a year and it got all this sort of internet buzz traction, like the the alternative version of the single Hollywood tonight, yeah. out now produced by you know alternate you know blah blah, blah featuring faster pussy guitar player Ace Von Johnson. And then every time I did press, it was like everyone wanted to talk about it because it was so new and like kind of concurrent. That's what you got out of it. Ultimately, that's what you I got, got out of you it. You got this story. I mean, that you oh, really yeah. got to play. And then people people bootlegged yeah. it. So if you go on google or youtube and type in ace von johnson michael jackson collaborated with yeah you've collaborated with michael jackson that's it's a stretch but it it it, it, it's more tangible than a guy in his home studio pulling raw tracks you got to a place where you yeah sorry go ahead this was intended for the album it's it's like it would have been legit so i don't know if anything will ever come from it or if they'll ever do anything with it i hope so just because i would love the the credit but it's gotten my foot in the door with a ton of other gigs we probably don't have time to get into but it would be the kind of thing where there's bands i had i've auditioned for that were much bigger than gigs i've ever even had where they would be like so who are you and what have you done i'd be like oh i did a session for the michael album they'd be like come on in you know right that's exactly yeah yeah. so you didn't get paid but you get this really cool story Oh, yeah. You did get, yes, you were on, how about this? You were on a official Michael Jackson session, session right? Yeah. I mean, that there is, it's, it, there is, there's that's not any more that to like Murphy's law to like LA guns is like these weird. That's crazy. Yeah. That's really, really, that's really, really, really nuts. And so now let me, here's what I um sort of uh, filed away as you were telling that story. Yeah. Why, excuse me, that's the seltzer. Why did you want to, why did you only want the tempo or the, whatever the hell you said, BPM? BPM. Yeah. Why only that when you're doing the track? Uh, I just wanted the key and the BPM because I kind of wanted to know what sort of vibe I was getting into. Cause he was like, do you want to hear it first? And I said, I said, no, I said, I just want to kind of. Why didn't you want to hear it first? Uh, I, I guess because a lot of times the your first impression is what, you know, what, what's coming out of me in a first impression is mm-hmm. just this innate sort of natural thing. And had I heard it five times, like normally, like if you were like, come play on my album, you send me a track, I'm going to listen to it two or three times and decipher what I'm going to do and blah, blah, blah. Right. It gets a little watered down versus uh, like, all right, go, you know, here it is. It's in this key. It's, it's, this is the tempo. Here it is. So, right. That makes actually, sense. actually the chorus riff that I play in that song, there's a little tag and it's sort of like a sussy chord. That's basically the same thing as a, 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 no more Mr. Nice guy from Alice Cooper. Wow. I mean, listen, uh, and you know, Michael Jackson does have a history. I mean, Eddie Van Halen and slash, like he does work with rock people, you know, he does. uh, There's a whole, there's a whole precedent for having a Michael Jackson track like that. As a matter of fact, um, something that I've sort of, you know, I was at a, we were, I think we were at a, like a, one of those like record swap things. And we were talking about, we were talking about Michael Jackson. It's amazing. If you watch Michael Jackson, probably 91 to all the way up until the, the, the time he died, but really in the nineties, 
uh, and then contrast that with like live 84 to 87, there yeah. is a stark contrast in his, in his performance. Oh you yeah. Can really see the wear and the toll that everything took on him. Whereas in the eighties, you look at him like on the dangerous tour in like 87, he, yeah, he is on a, fire yeah. peak form. He's still a young peak man. Form. He's not yes. jaded yet. Yeah. Yep. Yep. He's and not then, going through the motions. Yeah. You he's not tell going it. through the motions. Exactly. Ace. And when, then when you watch him in like 94 or something yeah. and you just see every move, every move is dialed in. I don't want to yeah. listen. I don't want to take away from uh, like one of the greatest performers that ever lived, like, like his output or what he did. Cause I'm just a, I'm just a guy on the internet. Same. However, from just watching performances and like just sort of taking it in, it, it's just, you see the diminished return, the, the, the wear and tear on his body. That dude was putting two hours every night and you're a musician, a performer, you understand the toll that it takes to do a live show, but you're, you're, you're playing guitar, not to diminish what you do and that playing guitar is its, its own animal, but the idea of dancing the way that yeah. Michael Jackson dance and sang yeah. every night. And then people are like, like, it's like, you don't, it's like, it's not hard to figure out amongst other things, why he was essentially putting himself under with like medical grade fentanyl. Oh, of course. You I know, mean, it, it, the, the road, you know, it's like, yeah, people are always like, you know, I'll complain about my, I have a permanent back injury or whatever you want to call it, but, or, or whatever. And they're like, Oh, but you're, I'm not young anymore, but they're like, Oh, you're still young. I go, it's not the years. It's the mileage. Yeah. And you have to take that into consideration and, and for sure being a full-time, you know, pr at least pre COVID, uh, you know, I've got 20 years of tour under my belt since I was 19 to, to 39 now. And, and, you know, obviously without the pandemic, but it, it can be, it can be arduous and, and physically exhausting. And you're like, you know, I mean, you're, I'm in a bus, you know, playing in front of, you know, whatever, 500 people or 300 people or a thousand people or 12 people. Sure. And it's, it's like, you know, I don't know when I'm going to eat. I don't know when I'm going to get a shower. I don't know when I get to go home. You know, it's, it, that stuff can rack on your brain and your, your physicality. But, uh, so the MJ thing happened, blah, 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 that gig, the Charlie and the Valentine killers, killers gig segued into pussycat when I was 26. I it sort of had a false start there. Became a member at 27. I did that for 10 years from 10 to 19. Uh, I did a whole bunch of stuff in the middle. I filled in, not filled in. I was in unwritten law for maybe eight months. Did some shows with them, which was a, an experience. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and then I, uh, you know, I became friends with all these bands from this genre and this era, um, you know, like the guys in Skid Row or whatever it is. And, uh, you know, and I would go play uh, guitar with Steven Adler from guns and roses uh, right you know, i go to his adler, house and, right yeah adler and uh actually have a band with the singer of adler is my guitar player in a band called neon coven i have and uh this yeah guy named Jacob i want to hear about neon coven more but go for, hold on finish what sure. you're saying and then tell me about yeah. neon coven that's the synth thing yeah 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 it's sort of synth wave you know nine inch nailsy kind of ministry typo negative vibe uh and then eventually i got the gig with la guns in 2018 roughly four years ago i did both gigs pussycat and la guns for one whole uh, about a year and a half and then and what was that like what was that like for you uh good but a little stressful at times because i was trying to juggle both bands calendars or schedules and uh eventually i had to kind of you know as my dad would say shit or get off the pot and uh, right. i stuck with la guns and 
here I am. And I've done some other stuff like talking about session work. Like it's still not out, but remember Tiffany, I think we're alone now, Tiffany. Yeah. Uh, I'm on her new record. That's keeps getting postponed because of COVID. Um, nice. I'm on the, I think, I think I have some songwriting and performance, but I don't know what they're doing yet with the new 69 eyes record. I think last Yerky. year he said, yeah, Yerky, uh, I, I was his solo band guitar player, music director. When he did his first solo record, I put a band together for him. I'm music director for so many people. We were talking about Sylvain Sylvain the other day before he passed. He was a Nashville guy. Okay. I, okay. Hold on. We're going to talk about stuff. that. Talk yeah, about yeah. that right now. Tell me sure. about working with Sylvain Sylvain. Right. Well, he was in Nashville, but uh, yeah. the Batusis yeah, with yeah. Uh, Cheetah Chrome. Yes. Yeah, Cheetah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. So Sylvain and I did a jam at one point. We did like, I don't know, seven songs and we just hit it off and what a sweetheart i mean i'm a johnny thunders disciple disciple through and through aside from the heroine and um <laughs> you know i just really respected him and he, he was just a sweetheart he was a really cool guy and you know how it is you have the casual friendship with somebody you talk once every six months or whatever and at some point in 2000 i'm gonna call it 17 18 he hit me up about putting together a west coast band for him and so I put what would have been Matt Starr, who currently plays for Ace Freely, and then Johnny Martin, who's blowing my phone up, who now plays in L.A. Guns, but was in the band with Todd Youth and right. also in Jesse Mallon's solo band at the, around that time, too. Uh, and then myself and Sylvain. And we booked we had a show booked at the Whiskey and we had a show booked, I want to say, in Orange County or San Diego. But we needed five or seven shows. I can't remember mm -hmm. what the deal was. Yeah, Tracy Rules. And uh, he's a great boss, great bandmate, great friend. And so um, we put the band together and basically we couldn't make it work financially speaking. It, it, we weren't getting the numbers we were hoping for or he was hoping for. And it went uh, tits up, as we say. And, we, you know, we just, well, we'll circle back. We'll, we'll come back around. And then I think I think maybe his, his wife or partner was having some health issues and then he was having some health issues. And then, you know, I remember as I was prepping to move to Nashville, I can't wait to see you. And I didn't hear back from him. And then he passed. Mm. and um and then that that was that's my whole thing in a nutshell we weren't very tight or anything but we were buddies and you know talked on the phone a few times and he was a very sweet man and i i i love the new york dolls i will always be a dolls fan and uh the best and that's, that's that's kind of oh yeah the best and uh i actually here's a nerd nerd thing for you yeah. i have a cocktail napkin from danzig's birthday at the rainbow uh maybe six years ago or something like that i used to be a big guy i used to be at the rainbow for a lot and that had my own reserve table and everything and my guitar on the wall and all that stuff. And, um, one of the managers and some waitresses go, we're going to go, come on, we're going to go sing happy birthday to Glenn. And I was like, <laughs> Glenn, I was like, Glenn. Cause I, I was, I was like, Glenn who? And I just was like, all right, I guess I'm going over and we're all over there with this around a pie or something and sing happy birthday. I'm like, Oh, Glenn. Oh, okay. Got it. Got it. And, uh, and he walks by at the end of the night, thanks for singing, you know, and we've met, but he doesn't know me from a hole in the ground and you have to separate the fandom from the professional career, obviously. Yeah. And, all that stuff. and the manager gave me the cocktail napkin and he wrote, uh, the songs he wanted to hear for his birthday. And it's New York dolls, personality crisis, Ace of Spades from Motorhead, uh, maybe something off of welcome to hell from Venom. And maybe one or two, I can't remember what else, but I've got it down in my curio in the living room. Nice. It's like a little cool nerd, like one of a kind, you know, Glenn Danzig playlist, but New York Dolls fan. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Danzig loves. Yes. I've, I've heard him talk about it uh, a whole bunch that he uh, was. I mean, he loved all that stuff, man. Lou Reed, just all yeah. that, all that New York, all that New York music. And another Proto thing that I love 
about Sylvain Sylvain is that he is an Egyptian Jew, yeah. um, which is just so, I don't know. It's just yeah, Mizrahi. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, he's yeah. Mr. Ahi, exactly. Which I do you know that love do you know him. that that debut solo record of his, the pink one, Sylvain Sylvain? Uh no, I'm not familiar with that. When did that come Dude, out? Like 77. Do yourself a favor. Yeah. Get that record. It's like a five dollar, it's a five dollar LP, but like you can yeah. obviously it's on Spotify and iTunes on it. Listen uh uh of course I'm drawing a blank, like eight street kids or ten street kids, and it's just it's it's basically the next New York dolls record. It's so okay. Good. So what's it's interesting so about good. that is so that's what's interesting. So around 70 uh Thunders and Nolan leave in yeah. 74, 75. They they book it out of out of Florida because they, they don't have any junk. They replaced they Thunders a, with Blackie Lawless. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. <laughs> uh, Ma- Malcolm McLaren did that. Yeah. And um wow. and they did the red patent leather uh trip and whatnot. Uh they go back up and they form the Heartbreakers with Richard Hell, but but the dolls continue on in a variety of different sort of flavors with j- the core, the yeah. nucleus of Johansson and Joe Sylvain. Yeah. And what's interesting to me is, you know, when you look at the reunion and that to me is one of my favorite reunions ever, because it, it's just so it, it, w- it was so well done both critically. And it was just, it was a success in every way you could imagine. And you would think that it would be anything but two members, two surviving members from this band that hadn't been together for 30 years, suddenly coming back and making records. And you kind of think, how is that going to work? And it not only did it work, it was just this unbelievable thing. But what people, but the key detail is that they were doing the dolls even after that they had kept, they kept going and they kept going after McLaren and they eventually stopped and Johansson, he did his solo thing. He did a couple of songs that yeah. Sylvain plays on. Yeah, Sylvain yeah. is playing on I those. I just and, picked up a yeah. Johansson record like last week. Just you know, I was like five dollars. Sure, yeah. why not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Rabner says it's on RCA. Yeah, and it's called the Fourteenth Street Beat. And I want to get back and talk to you more about this. And I want to talk. I want to ask you some questions about the Rainbow Grill. But first, let's go to our sponsor real quick. Who we mentioned yeah. up here, RiotStickers.com is in the house and. I did not know this. Sharpie Riot has worked with Tracy oh, before no Tracy Guns um, and uh, says that he is an awesome dude. So we got two people Very saying cool. he's an awesome dude. Um, Riotstickers.com is the official uh, sponsor of the From Us channel here. As you can see right below my name, it says powered by Riotstickers.com. Here are some stickers from Riotstickers.com. Right now we're running a special promotion with Riotstickers.com. You can get three inch by three inch stickers. That's that's this circumference right here, people. I mean, you got you get a lot of real estate right there. Three inches by three inches. That's uh that's a lot of real estate to put your image on. You want to imprint something, you want to you could vandalize. I'm not promoting vandal vand, vandalization. I'm just saying you could if you wanted to. You could. <laughs> You could stick your sticker on a cop car if you wanted to. I'm not saying you should. I'm saying that you could. Uh, there's many different things you can do. And normally, normally, uh, the, the this special deal that we're running, it costs $59, $59 for 53-inch by 3-inch stickers. Um, but if you use the promo code FROMIS right here and you use the link in the description, you go, first what you're going to do is you're going to click on all of Ace's links because all of Ace's links are also in the description. Check out Ace's Patreon, his link tree, all of this stuff. It's all down here. And below that, you're going to go and then you're going to click on the riotstickers.com link and you're going to enter the promo code from us. And that is going to bring you to the special deal where you get these 
50 stickers, three inches by three inches for $29.50. You can't beat that. It's it's a crazy deal. Go ahead. Go search on the internet. You find a better deal for 50 stickers than that. It's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, And we're going to play the video real quick from the guy from Less Than Jake. It's a 60-second video. Uh, I love this video. I never get tired of hearing it, and you're all (laughs) going to hear it right now. Yeah, and we're back. Less than Jake. Less than Jake. Ryan6.com. Check out the banner that Sharpie printed up. Look at this. The Frumest Moon Face. Trip to the Moon. Can't beat it. Can't beat I like it. it. Um I man, suddenly I want stickers. That's right. You know where to go. <laughs> um, all right. So hold on. So let's rewind for a second because I was trying to process like 11 billion things you were talking about. You're talking about. We were talking about the rainbow. First, let's talk about the rainbow for a minute. So the rainbow is this. Uh, now, I have not spent a lot of time out in L.A., but I've heard, you know, from all the various, I read tons of rock biographies and yada, 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 this and that. And there's all this sort of like L.A. lore, like these these landmarks. You have obviously have like places like the whiskey and, you know, um, uh, but you also have the the rainbow. And that's, you know, if you if you were around at a certain time, you could just casually walk into the rainbow and you'd see Lemmy in the corner playing the video machine. Am I correct on that? Yeah, correct. Um, So tell me like, what is it? uh, So what exactly, uh, what is the, can you explain a little bit of the uniqueness of the rainbow bar and grill and why it's it's so special? uh, You know, mid seventies through, you know, at least the eighties and nineties, it was really like the sort of central point you know, as far as like the Hollywood rock scene and kind of became a Mecca of like, mm-hmm. you're going to go there and uh, have a slice of pie and um, have a cocktail. And you're going to probably see four or five rock stars or actors or, or, or some combination of, and uh, it's, it's sort of the quintessential spot to stop at if you're into rock and roll or they've kind of turned it into a little bit of like a motorhead sort of, um, uh, museum shrine. almost shrine yeah thank you but um since lemmy's passed but it's it's definitely you know the spot like if you're playing at the whiskey you're going to go to the rainbow before or after if you it's going away now but if you same thing with the viper room or what used to be uh Gazzari's and then became the key club and then now is one oak or something like that wait a minute uh, rainbow's know, going away no not rainbow the viper room Viper oh, 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 oh yeah if you're playing the viper room you go it's just across the street so uh right there at san vicente and uh yeah the the family that owns it the maglieri's um are, which is originally mario and then his son um michael and then his son mikey or mike or michael um junior um mike and his wife amy are uh, really close friends of mine uh you know i used to spend the holidays with them and 
and I uh, saw them. We had lunch or I guess dinner on the first of the year. And uh, yeah, they were kind enough to sort of, uh, you know, g- give me my own booth, if you will. And I had, <laughs> had a guitar up there on the wall or I have a guitar up on the wall. And, um, you know, when I lived in Hollywood, that was where you could find me, you know, be there drinking, wow. a, lot of, drinking a lot of whiskey, being a so, jerk. So people now what's the tourist situation like it's literally like hey we're in town oh you got to stop by and i didn't know that so pie is the thing out there in 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 the rainbow bar and grill it's known oh yeah i mean it's it's the the maglieri's are old italian family so it's it's all it's basically what they're best known for is italian food i.e pizza but then also um you know, respectfully, I think most of the kitchen staff is, is Hispanic. And so there's a ton of Mexican food that's like out of this world. Wow. So, um, but you know, everybody's got their, their go-to at the rainbow. Like I mentioned Jacob, uh, from Adler and neon coven on it. His thing is the, the grilled chicken, uh, Caesar salad or some, some salad like that. And then my thing used to be, um, the, the same thing, but shrimp, but like the Asian shrimp salad. Mm. And, uh, I like shrimp. Yeah, so do I. And uh, yeah, everybody's usually everybody's got their go-to menu uh, item. And, uh, you know, it's it's obviously been a minute since I've been there other than when I was in town for work on the first of the year. But uh, before I moved, I mean, I was there, you know, two, three, four, five times a week. Now, but people, so now here's the thing. So it's like you got, all, you got various different rock guys that'll come in, or musicians. You get musicians yeah. that come oh, in yeah. here all the time. And then, so what happens, it's like, you could just be hanging out there and then all of a sudden some tourists come in and they're like, they, they come up to you or they come up to someone they recognize oh, yeah. and they're just bothering, bothering you while you're trying to eat or, uh, or whatever. It wasn't a lot. I didn't, I didn't ever witness a lot of bothering. However, um, there's a table in the corner, uh, that they kind of affectionately refer to as the slash table, um, huh. or, or the Nikki six table, depending who's around, but there's a corner tape. If you've ever been to the rainbow, it's in the far, you walk in far left corner Okay. And uh, there's a exit, a fire exit around the opposite of that in the corner, which used to be the original entrance back when it was the original restaurant name, which is escaping me. But it was, uh, I want to say Joe DiMaggio owned it, but huh. I'm getting I'm getting way off off topic. But uh, if you look carefully, some of the weird little decor inside the rainbow still has the original uh, rainbow restaurant title, which of course is escaping me. Um, and so if somebody famous comes in, they'll usually bring them in that way, um, or, or more importantly, walk them out that way. So that way they're not getting like, I've been there when Lady Gaga was in there. I've been in there when like Tom Morello and people like that are in there and they usually they'll kind of dip in through that way. Um, Ah, but you know, there's so many people that are such regulars there, like for a while, Dave Navarro was in there all the time or whoever. And they, you just don't give a shit. You just, you're, you know, like I'm you know, some F level musician or whatever. And I, it gets to the point there'd be a line on a Friday night and I would just walk up and they'd be like, come on. You know, and I just walk in and nobody bother me, you know, or, or half the time they'd be like, Hey, you're that guy hoping that I would decide they could decipher what band I was in, you know, like, Oh, I love Avenged Sevenfold, man. I love your band. I'd be like, <laughs> right on bro. Right on. Wait. Yeah. So what about, so then, so then what about like Lemmy sitting in the corner uh, drinking scotch and coke playing his video machine yeah. what happens when so i mean if he if that's his regular hangout and people know to find him there you, you, you probably just, have you leave him alone because he wouldn't right. give you he, you know lemmy was a very kind man but he just right 
if he was right. playing his machine, he would, you know, you'd be like, Hey man. And he'd be like, yeah, hang on. And then he would, when he was ready, he'd give you uh he'd give yeah. you, you know, a few minutes of his time or whatever. But I, I think the kind of, you know, general on the unspoken rule was that, you know, unless you were like a tourist visiting, like you'd go in there and you'd see Lem, he'd be sitting there and right. it just and was just another alone. He's just a part yeah, of the just, scenery. Just, yeah, yeah, exactly. He's doing his thing. Like, it, you know, but of course, Very every cool. time, there'd be somebody would come up and he would, I, I never saw him be rude or anything, but you know, he right, wasn't going right. to be like, Oh, Hey, hang on. Let me stop eating and right. put it's this like, down uh, for your selfie. Fuck. Yeah. But like, he was you know, always, gotta... he seemed like he was always cool. He was, you know, the few interactions I ever had with him, he was always very kind to me. He beat my ass at pool once in uh, wow. San Diego. We did it. We did the shows with Charlie and the Valentine killers and the and head cat. Yeah. And after the gig, we were shooting pool and he was like, you want to shoot? I don't remember what he said. You know, want to play pool? And I was like, uh, yes, I do. Lemmy from Motorhead. Wow. And he just <laughs> beat me mercilessly. And I was like, all right, well, at least I got that story. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's just it. And he was a staple there. So it just unless you were visiting from out of town, you just knew he was going to be there unless they were on tour. Right. Uh, that that documentary from 2010, I think it was. I think it was just called yeah, Lemmy 50, or something. Yeah. 59, uh, 51% son of a bitch, 49% motherfucker. Yeah. No, there's a there's another one, I think, just called Lemmy. Maybe I'm yeah. wrong. Yeah. That's the sub the subtext. Oh, is, that's the subtext. Okay. Yeah. Yes. The guy and, the guy that directed that, whose name is escaping me, is a, is a, a an acquaintance. He also directed the Damned documentary, Don't You Wish That We Were Dead. Haven't seen that yet. Really, really want to worth, see that. Worth your time. Um, worth your time. I definitely will be checking it out. But that Lemmy documentary is, I loved it because it was just such a, and I'm not, listen, I have Ace of Spades or whatever on, I'm not a big, I'm not, I'm not a big motorhead guy. Not because I don't like him or anything. I just, yeah. a blind spot for me, Sure, but it was absolutely, I loved watching it. I loved, uh, it was, uh, it was, uh, even if you're not a motorhead fan, or even if you don't know who motorhead is, it's a wonderful, wonderful character study, character piece about a musician. And you come to it from that story. And then the story with his son and yeah. connecting with his son and like, uh, it's just it's really sweet and, yeah, and, and wonderful, you know, really, really great uh, rockumentary. Just like right. you said, even if you're not a fan of the band, it's still worth watching. You know? Yeah, totally, totally. Um, and um, and then the other thing. So. So. OK, so you that was an, a, a very interesting interaction with Danzig. I would have done the same thing with the napkin. I would have uh, uh, framed it. I don't know if you know the ranch story, but if you ha if you don't, I'm not going to it's it's redundant we're not going to talk about it now but go seek out the ranch story on my channel i'll send you a link if you send have me the that. link i don't yeah, know I think it, you will really appreciate my ranch story uh i'm not going to say anything more about it than that the ranch story we'll talk about okay. it another time okay. um so that's fascinating though that and then what so do you have you ever have you ever like crossed paths with Danzig other than that or was that mostly yeah. was that the oh, oh yeah 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 I've got uh, I, probably some of the Danzig stories I wouldn't do on a on, like public kind of right story. of course of course but, um, of course you know uh you just would see him at random places I would stuff. see him at the rainbow I would see him at the rainbow all the time yeah. and he 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 had come to see me with Pussycat at least two or three times wow and I would know that because the owner uh the family that I mentioned the Magliari's Amy and Mike mm -hmm. They own the rainbow, but they also own the whiskey. And so oh, Amy. You, oh, I did not yeah, know that. Same, same family. And so Amy would be like, Oh, did you see Glenn? And I'm like, Glenn who? And she's like, Danzig. He was at a, he had a table. He's watching your show. Wow. No, I was on stage, you know, going through the motions. But um, 
I, I had a really cool, I, I don't want to delve into it too much, but I was at the, um, uh, 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 what's the big uh, venue in New York when the Misfits played? Uh, 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 Irving Plaza? No, no, no. Max big, is, not Max no. Kansas City. No, 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 no. The arena. Webster uh, Hall. No, it's an arena. Ma- um, Madison Square Garden? Madison Square Garden. Thank you. MSG. Sorry. The, yeah. MSG. I was at the MSG show and I was there as a guest. Wait, and you so, were there in in uh, in 2019? Yeah, I was there. Yeah. Was, oh, yeah. all right. Oh, yeah. I was at that show too. Yeah. yeah great, great show. Great and so, show. Uh, um, I don't want to throw anyone under the bus. Okay, but, I understand. Uh, don't no worries. But uh, I, I had, I had a, I had a, a laminate, so I could just kind of go wherever I wanted. Right. And um, their tour manager, and then also Glenn's current, or at least at the time, security guard is a is a friend of mine, uh, Eddie. Sorry, throw Eddie under the bus. And so I just, and you know, like I said, I, I, I know, you know, I, 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 it's weird telling these stories because I don't want to sound like I'm name dropping, but you know, like I know Doyle, he was like, yeah, come on, come on, let's go get a fuck to talk. And, and so I'm back there and somehow I ended up in GD's dressing room and his, 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 <laughs> his, his sister came in and they were having like this really like intense conversation about like uh, someone, someone in their family had just passed and then him talking about right. the show and how important that show, that fact that he played Madison square garden and just, and I'm a fly on the wall. And I just remember being like, this is like, as a fan, you know, like I said, fan first, I was like, this is like a big, this is a big deal. And it was such a moment and I don't like doing fanboy stuff. And I didn't, but my, where I'm going with this is when he left and we all cleared out, cause he's hanging out with AC who I've known for forever and and the tour manager and this guy and that guy and saying bye to Doyle and everybody else. Um, and I got to finally meet uh Franche Coma in person and Frank. Think, yeah, Frank. And I I'll come back to that because he, yeah. he and I we, now we talk and he's just such a sweet man. Oh, he's such but, a character. I was just talking on the phone with him the other day. Oh, right on. I yes. he I like I'm hesitant to like text him, but like I'm like <laughs> bro. but um when the show when my point is is when glenn left i ripped the thing off the door it said glenn danzig dressing room from the garden i have yeah so um and i thought about like putting it in a shadow box with the laminate you know but i was like is that too is it like am i getting too nerdy but like you know even like zing knows he's taken me all around lodi before it's like i'm a fucking fan you know i love that stuff so yep it was uh that's what it was. Somebody just, right. Yeah. And right. so, um, yeah, yeah that's what that's well known now. Everybody yeah. knows that stuff. Yeah. But it was, that was going on real time. And I'm with, I'm right. I was literally, you know, six feet from him and his, I think sister, somebody in the immediate family mm-hmm. and just minding my own business. Like we're talking and other people are talking and you can hear this conversation going on. That's so heavy. It's overtaking our conversation mm-hmm. and uh, you know, res- you're respectful, but I wasn't going to like run out of like, I'm not supposed to hear this. So I just kind of right on. Oh, like to be the furniture and just, just pretend like, to be the furniture. I'm and, not, I'm not supposed to be here, but yeah. I also I'm not going to close my ears and draw attention it, to myself. I'm just going to pretend exactly, like I can't exactly, hear anything. Exactly. And you know, <laughs> he's a human being, you're a human being, I'm a human being. Right. It was one of those moments, right. but it was interesting as a fan to be a fly on the wall for that moment. And, and something that arguably is my favorite show sure. of all time because of that, probably that, not that moment, but that interaction being backstage and then i took ricky uh to see them again in philly um and uh ricky rackman and um and uh 
we went and we were backstage and Ricky um, is arguably my closest friend in the world. Like, you know, mm. I walked him down the aisle at his wedding three months ago. Okay. And so, or it was one of three people. And so um, he was like, he, he functions differently than maybe I do. And he was like, I want to meet Glenn. I want to say hi to Glenn. And I was just like, uh, so yeah. And I want a pony like, okay. And so um, I, I texted Eddie, his, the guy was working security right. for Glenn. And I was like, uh, Rackman hasn't seen GD since 95, since like a headbangers ball episode or something. And he would really love to just say hi. And he was like, nobody's coming back here. And I was like, okay. And then Ricky was like, you know, kind of like, you know, like, fuck, you know, cause we were in Doyle's dressing room or at least outside adjacent, whatever. And it's an arena. So it's like, right. It's like, it's like a sporting events. There's all these dressing rooms and big offices and space. And I was like, well, let me, you know, I'll ask him again, I guess later. And so Eddie comes out and he goes, he goes, you, you, and you as uh, who is now Ricky's wife, Leah, and right. you can come back. And I was like, I don't want to go. I was like, it's too weird for me. I was like, I don't want to do it. <laughs> but when Eddie walked Ricky into the dressing room, it was all these, so many people. It was like Alex Skolnick from Testament, all these, like it was a who's fucking who at every show. Uh, Cause I, I, I was around for three of these shows and it was constantly a who's who. And that room got real quiet when Ricky and GD had this little moment. And wow. Uh, and I was, and, and, and I'm throwing Ricky under the bus on that because he talked about it in a podcast at some point. And he was like, he basically omitted me from the story. And I was like, you know, that that happened because I pried Eddie into going back in there <laughs> to be like, look, Rackman's here. He just wants to say hi. So um, I was, it was kind of cool to facilitate that for my friend rather than yeah. who, they, who they are. But um, you know, just the bands that I've been in and stuff like that's afforded me opportunities to, I've been on stage with Doyle a bunch of times. I did a convention where we had a jam band thing, a horror convention called Rock and Shock. And we would have Doyle be on this festival. And then I would be like, hey, do you want to do some songs? And, you know, he's like, all right, buddy, you know, and jump up nice. and some songs. I got I got to jam with John Christ once. Um, That's you know, cool. So That's stuff like cool. that is, yeah. again, like fanboy where I, I go. Those are those little moments that are way cooler than of course. some of the obvious stuff. So, okay. So hold on. So, all right. Yeah. So they, they, they re they reunited for the first time. Yeah, and, and it was brief. It was brief. Yeah. Brief. Um, but it's so interesting because like Ricky Rock, because of those episodes and because of YouTube, that those two are sort of synonymous or those those interactions are synonymous. Oh, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. people think of headbangers ball like maybe in the top five things, like one it's of them Glenn is gonna be Glenn dancing. Yeah. In the fire. Yeah. Right, right. And you can always tell that it was like you know uh that it, it was, was really playful yeah it was totally yeah, like a playful thing and well, you can tell yeah. sorry what, what were you i was just say? thinking you know about it but the the bordello danzig acoustic thing right and, right right he would play already, his shows yes yeah, yeah they already had a, a history before a ricky rapport. was every a rapport before ricky right. even was even on headbangers ball so right 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 so it's like it's you, you almost got the gist and i'm just saying this as someone who watched the videos i don't actually know you almost get the gist that it's just kind of like ricky knew what he was going to do once the camera was rolling Yes. He knew he was going to, you know, do these, uh, say these things and, and whatnot and get, get Glenn riled up or get Glenn. Yeah. And Glenn yeah. would always have this cheese eating grin of like, watch it, watch, yeah, watch it, Ricky. it, watch it, Ricky. <laughs> and it was just so funny to watch the two of them go back and forth. Um, but that's, that's really cool, man. And yeah, that show, that Madison square garden show, we talk about it all the time on the channel. And it was like, that was a 
that was such a big show. I, I decided I was like, I don't know if I'll ever see them live again. I don't know if I have to, because that show was so perfect. Like, I just don't, I, I, I kind of feel the damned, same. the damned opened yeah. up. Like what, like what else do you want? Like what yeah. else? It's a Halloween hometown show, Madison Square Garden. And by the way, since we, since you brought it up, I, and it, it's funny that you brought up Frank. So Frank will be coming on the show. Awesome. He's coming in. I, I think he's going to be coming in June ish. That's the plan. Um, but what's funny is at that show you had, you, I, I was thinking about all the different lineups of bands that were at that Madison Square Garden show. You had three fourths of the Static Age lineup there. Yep. You had three fourths of Sam Hain were there because Pete Damien Marshall, who played guitar, he was also there in yep. the crowd. You had three fourths of the Misfits '95 lineup because Chud was up in the skybox oh, I didn't as know somebody's that. guest. Yes, he I was did also not there. Know that. You had uh, Uncle Dez was there, that so I you know. had, and you, I think uh, the Goat Chupacabra, whatever, yeah, Eric, yeah. yeah, Eric, yeah, yeah, he was all. The, they were also there, so you had the you had Jerry's, you had the Jerry Fitz uh, uh, era there. <laughs> yeah. I, there were so many different lineups of that band or, in or those house. incarnations. Yes, all in the house. I'm not sure who else from Danzig. I'm not, I don't know if Johnny Kelly was there. Or, Tommy Victor, I think one of those guys were there. Maybe both of them were there. I think Tommy might have been there. So I, then you have three fourths of Danzig yeah. was there. Zing was absolutely there. Zing was, I know Zing was there. So it's yeah. like, it's just funny. Uh, Sal B was there. It's just the, everybody was at that show. No, I do not think Robo was not there. No, Robo was not there. That would have been really cool, though. There was a moment, there was a moment in time when you think about all the kooky, crazy lineups of the Misfits. You had the Earth AD lineup minus Glenn Danzig plus Des from yes. Black Flag. Yeah, which <laughs> which makes sense in a sense, you know. Right, because it's like row, it's like half Black Flag. It's it's Misfits Flag, yeah. and Flag Fits. Flag Fits. There was a brief moment where, but so before that all happened, though, after they lost those dudes, they were trying to put together. Um, and this also this only recently came to light for me. They were trying to put together Joey as the before Joey hurt himself and and you know he broke his hip and whatnot. Yeah. That it would have been Joey and Marky and Doyle and Jerry formed this sort of hybrid version of the Misfits. That was the plan. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, know that and it Joey did not. Yeah, Joey was going to, and he had, you know, Joey had hopped on stage and done some stuff with because Joey and Jerry had gotten tight, despite the fact that those two had actually gone all the way back to like '78 or whatever. But they had gotten tight again in the '90s. There was like that whole resurgence and whatnot, and yeah, Coney well, Island it was High, the, and, the box set era, right? Or when around that? Yeah, that yeah, yeah. Like yeah. the late '90s, Coney Island High was like a big venue. I was before my time, but that was like a big venue i was lucky enough i started to go to cbgb's in the last three years of its existence that was when i was in high school and I so i got to see one. like yeah. i saw tsol there i saw the bad brains there um they're there supporting there. the dead kennedys there. that's cool that's cool nuts. i mean it's not it's it's a it was such a cool place man yeah it was such a cool place like the fact that like it's so weird to think that it's gone now and that like how like legendary that place is yeah. you know um, but yeah, I don't know where we were going with all that, but yeah, just that, that, that stuff is, that stuff is so surreal when you get to be 
sort of backstage or behind the scenes. And it's like, yeah, you don't even want to talk. You don't want to, it's not even like you need to interact or anything. It's just that you're like witnessing it or you're seeing what happens behind the scenes and you're speechless and you just don't say anything. And you just kind of like, you soak it all in. It's really frigging cool. Yeah. It's definitely the coolest backstage experience I've ever had that didn't involve me. Right. I mean, I was, nobody knew I was there. I wasn't there as some, anybody. I was just there as a friend of somebody in the camp and, uh, ended up, you know, meandering into the situation where I was like, Oh, look, that's the singer of not one, not two, but three of my favorite bands of all time. Right. You know, and we're, we're all here, you know, hanging out post-show and, uh, and it was, it was really cool. It was really sort of maybe not humbling isn't the right term, but it was a really unique, it was special. It was very, it was very special. special. Yeah. And I love that you're, I love that you're just as geeked out as like, say, you know, I'm, I would geeked out too, like that meeting Franche Coma. Cause you know, yeah. Frank is, Frank is a very chill guy. Super and yet dope. at the same time, he's like, to, like, I keep everyone. So I'm like, oh, that's the guy that fucking played on static age, dude. Like, he, that's like the coolest shit ever, you know, he, like he and I met in the hall outside of uh, GD's room. Yeah. And just in, I, I, I think AC introduced us or somebody, so cool. somebody so in cool. the camp. And we talked for maybe two minutes and he was very nice, but he didn't know me from a hole in the wall. And I found him maybe that week on Instagram, didn't realize he had one. I added him and he yeah. added me back or whatever. And he wrote me back this thing and he said, oh my God, uh, when I met you, I thought your name sounded familiar. Uh, he goes, I'm a huge LA Guns fan. And, nice. I, and, and I know your name from joining the band, from being like the new guy. And he had this very, just really sweet sentiment. And we went He's back. He's very and forth. personable. He's a very yeah, personable, super personable guy. Well, we yes. ended up getting on uh, the dog, a uh, thing about dogs later on. And so he and I yeah. kind of talk a lot about that or the few times we spoke. But I, I was like, man, I was like, I don't want to be weird. But I was like, I got to say, James Hetfield <laughs> and you are the reason that I wanted an explorer for so long. Um, and, uh, you know, just thank you. You know, you, you get to a point in a casual conversation where you talk about whatever, but it's okay to throw in a, by the way, Hey, I just want to say I'm a fan and thank you. Yeah. And he was just so cool. And eventually he was like, here's my number. Just shoot me a text. And awesome. Just a sweet guy. I'm, I'm excited to see the show with him on it. I am going to, we, we, we did a, we, we had a conversation and I had met him years ago because I had interviewed him many, many years ago for the, the, the project. Yeah. Um, but I hadn't seen him or spoken to him in years and that he was at, there was the morning noise reunion thing and he was there for that. Yeah. And that was the first time I had seen him in a long, long time, but yeah, he, he's going to come on the show and I'm going to put him through his paces. He knows it too. He knows Good. I'm going to, I'm going to oh, drill him with every fan. I'm going to drill him the way I drill poor Mr. Jim, poor Mr. Perfect. Jim. He got, he got Mr. Jim got brutalized. Frank's going to get brutalized. He knows it. it's going to be great. And now that I we've heard the Manny tape, I have so many questions to ask him about that. I can ask him in more detail, uh, stuff, stuff like that and whatnot, yeah, yeah, but let's, yeah. let's rewind it for a second. So, so first of all, the project that you did with Greg is, is that music available anywhere? Did that ever come yeah. out? Whatever happened with that? Yeah. Dwayne put out some of that music, Dwayne Peters, uh, you know, DP in the great unwashed mm -hmm. it's out there. I'm not on the album. Um, I think I might be on one song, but I can't confirm um because i have no idea it's been so long i don't remember what we recorded or what was just right. like uh sort of us bootlegging ourselves for the sake of remembering <laughs> stuff but we did do a television performance that's on youtube um for 
fuel or fuse. I can't remember one fuse. or the other. Fuse, fuse. TV. Yeah, fuse sure. TV. And it, and it was like Steve Jones was the guest, and then oh, we cool. pl- we played. I think I might have thrown the thrown the link in in one of your episodes, but it, it's it's just Dwayne. Oh yeah, and, no. And you me did. and Greg. You can you can you resend that to me? Can yeah, you resend absolutely. it to me? I have to, yeah. Send me that link after and the it's show. It's very. It's just totally Tom Waits. It's a guy on a piano, me strumming an acoustic, and Dwayne. Kind of, if you know Dwayne's voice, listen up. This is a fucking deal, motherfucker. <laughs> uh, it's him. It's him doing his best Tom Waits. So he's like, you know, I, I got a boot with no shoe. Yeah, you know, <laughs> waxing poetic. And uh, it was a cool thing. It, I, I'm happy that in hindsight that I was able to be a part of so many projects with Dwayne, even though he's completely off his rocker. He's just I, a I handful. <laughs> well, I ceased communicating with him because he became so um, mm. volatile is the easiest way to explain it. But looking back, those bombs records are great. And I was just happy to be a part of that for a few minutes. Sure. And I mean, like, friggin', and I got to tell you, Chip did a great, we talked about this. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Chat. Uh, big fan of the of the trigger complex. complex yeah. Just well, then, love it. And then Chip and the guys from the bombs, minus Dwayne, started a project called the UX Bombs. Uh, and they put out a record, and I'm one of the guests on the album. When did that come out? When it was dropped that right at the top of the pandemic, so nobody heard about it, because it just uh, got swept by the wayside. But it's called west west uh west world crisis maybe okay something like that it's actually if you're a u.s bombs fan it's the it's this guy jesse who sings for a band called the agrolytes it's he's singing i know the agrolytes sure yeah great great man he's doing sort of his version of street punk so it's a little more you can it's a little more intelligible than maybe Dwayne, but it it still sounds like bombs kind of street punky you know that's cool that's cool and then tell me about the uh, synth, the synth band, the synth. Project. Oh, Neon Coven. Oh yeah, man, I, I love Neon Coven. Project. It's a yeah. cool name too. Thanks. Um, what made that, you think of that name? Where did that? Where does the name come from? My, I think my singer came up with that. Um, the, Neon Coven. I it, think it was meant to sound like it's a, uh, a, a, a juxtaposition, or you know, a too, great juxtaposition. At yeah, that. like you know, like neon, but then we're right. coven. Yeah, uh, that's and, what's cool about it that sort of there's some roots at the rainbow and that the band sort of history it's basically a studio project to hit it on the you know the thing on Mm -hmm. the head um we were doing one of those 80s hair metal themed cruises that we all do periodically and uh (laughs) jacob the main guy in the band if you will oh no who froze did i freeze shit if ever mick mars solo album that's mick the guitar player from motley Right, Mick Mars. I know him. I think I froze. Can you rewind it to rewind what you said two seconds? Oh, I froze on you. I'm yeah, sorry. no, it's okay. So Jacob um, is known for singing for Stephen Adler, and then also okay. singing for right. the unreleased album from Mick Mars and co-writing all that. But Jacob's also really, really highly sought after and respected, big name ghost writer for a lot of like sort of household names. Interesting. And Jacob and I have been friends for ages, and uh, we were on a, on this cruise. And he, myself, and our singer, Anthony, who at the time was working for L.A. Guns before I was in the band, uh, and maybe somebody else, and one of the my friend April in production of this crew, she goes, oh, you guys, you guys are like the young, handsome boy band guys on the, on, on the boat. Because it, it was like all the guys that, you know, at the time I was probably like 30, you know, and <laughs> so it was all the young guys and all these sort of legacy acts where everybody's 45 to 55 or whatever. Right. Older. Right. So, and so we said, you know, that's funny. Ha ha ha. And then 
uh, it kept becoming a joke that kept coming up like, you know, oh, there's my boy band. And we said, well, you know what, let's, let's take the, the, the task to challenge or whatever. And we met at the rainbow and we said, we should do some music. We're all, you know, professionals and, and creative and we each have our own little specific thing that we're good at. And mm-hmm. Anthony brought in our drummer, Kyle, who, uh, he's played with a bunch of people filled in for Berlin and a couple other bands and stuff. And, uh, fantastic session drummer and, and whatnot. And, uh, and we came up with this EP and because of Jacob's ability to produce and create and do stuff like that for what he does his day job, we cranked out this EP, uh, a label that he works with, put it out and it got some, uh, a, a sizable amount of terrestrial radio play. Really? A song, a song. Yeah. A song called bleeding love because of his sort of ends with the industry, if you will. Yeah. And so we, we took a few shortcuts, uh, or I don't know how else to word it. And so then we got some, you know, there was a press and a little bit of hype. So we did like a show or two and then everyone went back to their respect. You know, I went back on tour and then we circled back a year later, we put another EP and then right before the pandemic hit, we started working on what became our, our debut full length, uh, future postponed, um, which was like the first album I've contributed lyrics to in probably 15 or 20, a lifetime. And, uh, that came out and it, same thing, it, you know, got a little, some songs, got some radio play. I think the biggest, um, excuse me, uh, biggest song on the record is, a, is sort of the heavier one. It's called dead to me, very sort of like Rob zombie kind of sounding, which is, is my track, um, or one of my three songs on the record. And it, it's just a cool studio project that I like. It's sort of somewhere between Depeche Mode, Nine Inch Nails, Typo Negative and Rob Zombie, you know, it's like that kind of thing. And then we put out a single, we did a cover of, uh, of uh oh shit what's his name the singer of Bauhaus da- uh, not David J Peter uh, Peter uh, Murphy Peter, Peter Murphy. Murphy we yeah. did Peter Murphy's cuts you up in the fall and put that out as a digital single so we just throw stuff out there and and yeah. and they they did a show a couple weeks ago without me uh in Hollywood at some goth thing and I just I wasn't gonna travel all that way to play for thirty minutes for free and uh, you know it's just too much work and so I get it. I get yeah. It. They, we've all except for the singer we've all subbed out at one point anyhow because again it's a studio project so yeah but if anyone's into that kind of stuff that i described uh check out neon coven the future postponed album i i definitely want to i definitely want to check that out i have you know it's like that it's so interesting because like you know when i was younger i was definitely like really into punk and then as i've gotten older my tastes have sort of expanded really started with Christian death, stuff like that. And slowly like expanded into sort of like, uh, I don't know what you would call it. Like not just post-punk, but also goth and more synth. It's gotten more synthy. My, my tastes. I used to, I used to detest it. I used to, you know, especially as like coming from like a, a more of a rock punk, whatever background, yeah, um, yeah, and 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 then like as I've grown older, I've started to really just sort of uh, I've gotten really into it. I really got into sort of I know this sounds really weird, but like that you know that whole it's actually it's on the the West Coast. I got very in very much to and and uh, pertaining to our conversation before about this is where this is where I'm appreciative of Spotify because I never would have like discovered it if it wasn't for Spotify. Spotify's algorithm. showed me these bands and then when these bands started to come to town i would then go see them live because spotify would let me know that they were in town you go to the show yeah you listen to the music for for nothing so you buy the record at the merch booth you buy the fucking t-shirt and you you meet the band because they're like relatively accessible and very small or whatever and i have seen so much music 
the the sort of the well before it before it all went under um the i guess it's like the 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 revi- the garage rock revival that oh, was yeah. sort of happening out there and you had all the burger tapes bands before burger went under uh i just loved all i love i still love a lot of that music uh some of it my one of my favorite bands was destroyed by that scandal and no longer exists i don't know if you're familiar with no bunny um, I know. Yeah, I know. I've definitely have heard them and I know. The I, name. Yeah. Big, 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 no bunny fan saw every show, every time that Justin would come before that whole thing happened. Every time he would come to New York, I was his number one, number one fan loved those shows were like, um, it was like church. It was like a uh, uh, rock and roll church for me. And, uh, you know, Tijuana Panthers, the garden, yeah. Um, just all those bands, man. Uh, friggin' the frights. Yeah. Fiddler's a part of that crew. Yep. Like I just all that music, Shannon and the Clams. Like I started to get turned on to all that stuff. The mummies. Well, the mummies are way older, but oh, like yeah, yeah oh, I love the mummies. But the mummies rule. The mummies can't the mummies were going to Spain and they stopped to play. They were playing two shows, two surprise shows at uh, somewhere in Brooklyn. Maybe it was the no, it wasn't the King's Theater. That's a really prestigious place. Where were they playing? They were playing somewhere in Brooklyn. And I went down, like I literally found out about it in like 12 hours, went down there, got in. And who's who's there? But the fucking uh, I had seen Iggy Pop at the Capitol Theater and his with Iggy with uh, the guy from the Queens of the Stone Age. Um, oh, yeah, Josh. Yeah. Right. During post pop depression, that album. Yeah. yeah and the I bass player was in at the mummy show just in the audience. And I was like, dude. You played with Vicky Pop. He was like, whoa, how did you know that? I was like, I saw you guys. And he was the coolest motherfucker. And we were just talking and chatting. He's a friend of Josh's, and that's how he got that gig. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, but it was just what a what a great, what a great show. And what kills me is that all that, you know, you had all the burgerloo, burger, burgeroos, or whatever the hell they were called, the beach goth, all that stuff. John Waters emceeing. All of that stuff <laughs> was all happening on the West Coast. And I was yeah. on the East Coast, and it was just like never could yeah could never participate and go but anytime those bands would come east i was always at those shows and just uh such a vibrant scene that was rocked um by by uh terrible things and uh it makes me sad man and it was like i kind of consider one of those things it's like it's one of the it's weird 2020 was such a transformative year for so many reasons yeah and i feel like that whole scene died because of not because of the pandemic because of what had happened and um but it's like all, all that stuff is gone now and it's just so um i don't know it just it's just really interesting to me because like it it, it was uh i don't know just 2020 was really like sort of like the end of an era in a lot of ways in that kind of way yeah i don't you disagree know? i don't disagree um i'm sure for in in many in many sorts of ways but yeah like th- th- there's just a lot of really great there was a lot of really really cool music coming out like this band the garden it's just two twin brothers and they they're like rap they like do rap they just play uh drums and bass yeah and um oh my god i could not i got thrashed in their in their crowd <laughs> in their pit i was the oldest person there everybody was like 16 and i was like in my 30s and like, I was just like, and I was with my friend who's in his sixties and he comes to me and asks me, what's all the cool shows. And he had been around, you know, he had shot dope with Johnny thunders and stuff. And like was around back then, cool. but he just loves going to live music. So he would say, Hey, what's going on? And we go, oh, let's go see fishbone. 
Oh, let's go see, uh, you know, uh, King Kong and the barbecue show. Let's go see, you know, whatever, whatever was playing. Um, and that was, yeah, that was one of those, uh, that, that was one of those crazy shows got totally thrashed, but realized that I was not young anymore being there and seeing kids who were actually young and then just getting destroyed by the ferocity of the crowd, the energy, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. You're just when your age starts to catch up with you at least a little bit. Yeah. When your age starts. Yes. That's the, that's the best way to put it. Are you familiar at all with King Kong and the barbecue show or any of those other bands, that kind of stuff, that garage buzz. Some, some of them I know by name, some of them I know I've seen, like I'd end up at like some show like that at like, uh, right. Like the satellite or some weird little like kind of indie art house venue in LA or whatever. But, uh, I didn't really get into a whole lot of that stuff to be honest. Um, but uh, but you I mean, must I, check. You must check out. I mentioned this the other day. This is probably we're already probably uh, burying the album rather anyway. So I'll just say it. <laughs> Again, um, Jay Retard, dude. I don't know yeah. if you're a fan of Jay Retard. You must check him out. Phenomenal, I'm, phenomenal. Just friggin' really, really great. Really, truly great. Um, you mentioned that you were a TSOL fan though. Before. Oh God, yeah, huge um, TSOL. Yeah, I think that's really cool. And it's rare. You don't usually come across people that are into TSO in that kind of way. Like just always sort of one of those. I don't know. I feel like there's just one of those bands like, yeah, I know Code Blue. It's awesome. But to like really like be into the band or like familiar, at least with some of their work. Um, uh, yeah. Jack was so cool to me when I was a young punk kid and he do- totally did not need to be even before I was even in a band. And oh, I know King uh, King Con. Um, yeah. And um, okay. Uh, and 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 just so cool. Like and 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 always very kind. And um, there's a there's a TSOL story I have that like I probably shouldn't tell, but <laughs> I feel like that's every TSOL story. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, there. It, it it like a lot of things. There's uh, it, there's more stories in my life that never came to fruition than probably ones that did. But that's welcome to the music industry or the arts, I should say. Right. But TSO uh, Wells manager and Dead Kennedys and a couple other bands is a guy named Landon, and I've known Landon for like twenty years. And uh, Landon Gale, right under the bus, right. And so Landon called me. Oh, it was right when I joined LA Guns. So it would have been roughly four years ago. And he was like, what are you doing the weekend of September 15th? And I was like, nothing, just about two weeks after home from a tour. Why? And he goes, are you available to fill in for one of my bands? And I said, which band? And so I'll let you do the math. But long long story short, they had some shows with Dead Kennedys that they couldn't dip out of. And I think Mike had something going on where he couldn't make it. And they were already in Vegas, right? I think I'm not really sure. I don't know if he was living in Vegas at that time, but I know he does now. I know, I know Mike's in Vegas. Yeah. Um, yeah. um, and so again, like it's just such not my story to tell, but it doesn't matter now. The shows ended up not even, Oh no, the shows happened. He ended up not doing like, I, I think he had like a wedding or a funeral or a family thing. And he was supposed to do, and it was one of those things where it was like, I, I'm, I'm unavailable, you know, I'm sorry. Yeah. And, uh, and there was about 10 days where I was rapidly learning uh, 
the like you know the 60 minute set which of course like yeah. 30 30 songs yeah and uh and then landon got back to me he's like oh no no it's all good we're not we don't need you and i was like oh cool thanks for the update oh cool i just like <laughs> spent all this time learning songs but yeah well then it became the thing where i was like yeah of course well some of that stuff is <laughs> is for punk for punk rock is like really fucking technical but uh yeah and, and uh and 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 you know up there tempo wise but uh, I've never told that story publicly before, so if anybody wants to give me a hard time about it, we'll know where it came from. But uh, it, it, it never happened. But I was just humbled that my buddy thought of me and that, um, you know, because it had to go. I remember he was sending me screen captures from Jack. He was like, who is it? You know, like, who's you call who? You know, and he goes, this, you know him, the fucking the guy. And he was like, oh, yeah, all right, fine. And it's Jack. And um I just was like, fuck yeah. And I started learning stuff that they don't even play. Just like, I wanted to show up right. whenever I audition for anybody, which is rare. Um, I, I always try to show up and ace the audition. Right. And you know, yeah. if you give me eight songs to learn, I'm going to learn 14. And so I was like, I'm going to learn this deep cut that I know they're not going to put somebody, you know, we, what is it? Somebody wants to die or whatever that unreleased song is or whatever, you know? Like, oh yes. I know what you're referring to. That's not the yeah, title, but die. No, but it? yeah whatever what from that to. early early demo era yes you know yes. just just to be a jerk you know show up be like well i know it do you know it you know but oh yeah huge tsol fan I, it's not even enough about me but yeah uh, i got into them in middle school it was one of those bands that somehow i discovered maybe through punkorama but i don't think that was it i think that was just occurring at the same time and I just remember buying the dance with me record, which is still mm. one of my favorite records of all time. Actually that record and the uh, talking about frontier records earlier, uh, the adolescence blue album, right? The blue album. Yes. Uh, those two records are how I became super close with Rackman at first because I met him through my singer and pussycat tame me down. Cause they, they used to have that club cat house in the eighties. And so, uh, Ricky was just always around when I was in that band and uh maybe a couple years you know i knew him for two years so maybe like 2013 or so he was like we're somewhere where we were forced into some conversation he's like ah you wouldn't even like the stuff i like and i was like well what do you like he's like you ever heard of tsol and i was like yeah and he was like really and i was like like yeah like he thought i was Wait, gonna be like yeah so Rackman's of tsol oh, he's his favorite band is like the germs he's a punk rocker that's so he's crazy a punk rocker through and through and then he was like, what about the adolescence? And I was like, what about Agent Orange? And he was like, well, what about DI? And I was like, well, what about the Dickies? And then we just huh. nerded out. We were like, because he yeah. is known for hair metal and hard rock and metal. And right. That's what I always think of. That's what, you know, that's what. Yeah. So we, we bonded. We bonded over our love of punk rock. He had a band that we're maybe I don't want to announce, but we're resurrecting a project of his from the 90s called Battery Club. And yeah. it was like one of the guys from DI. It was uh, John Maurer from Social D on bass um and so and he ricky was a singer and so anytime ricky and i do a jam anywhere which is frequently we usually do like code blue or uh bloodstains wow. from agent orange or you know something like you know richard hung himself or something like that um what is it you said that it was very technical and what i find interesting is that yeah like when i listen in general i'm like i'm so in awe of their musicianship because those guys are like those guys are like legitimately like, I mean, maybe not as much as they used to be, but like they were out of their mind, like especially oh, yeah. at that time. And so it's amazing to think of like how talented and how creative they were musically. And what's interesting about TSOL, and maybe we said this in the last stream, but I'll say it here again for this conversation with TSOL is that 
they are they are like they're this band that speaking of like of labels and being in boxes and things here's this band that like like is supposed to be just like a a political hardcore band but because of that first ep right but the reality is is that they're so gothic and death rock and like all like you listen to i mean you listen to forget about silent scream yeah. But you listen to sounds of laughter or the triangle. Yeah. Or any, the, all, all of the weathered statues EP. Yes. And, and all segueing into and beneath, beneath the sta- uh, shadows. shadows. You know, I mean, yeah. that's, that's, it's, it's, it's death rock. You totally know? death rock. And yeah, they don't want to be called that. They're like, we're not death yeah. rock. Fuck you. Like, you yeah. know, I, I um, and that's my favorite era from the band is, is that sort of little window of like going from dance with me until the resolution of the band, because they alienated their entire audience with that beneath the shadows right. LP, which is unfortunate right. because I remember getting it as a young man, like literally with a mohawk, fifteen years old, like uh, you know, I only want to hear charge deep GBH and anger, right? And getting this record and somehow kind of getting it and being like, oh yes, we're maturing, I get it, and mm. uh, never being bothered by because every all my other friends were like oh they put out that stupid fucking synthwave goth record and then they became a hair metal oh, band we hate so that good. but i love that record and then even the change today album is yeah such, so phenomenal and you said yeah, that they were so tight they, they demoed so tight. some of that stuff with jack okay so this is what i saw in one of the tsol groups that jack is actually like the i think he's like the admin there or something yeah and he made a comment uh just an offhand casual comment of something along the lines and i'm paraphrasing this is not exact just want to put that out there it's something along the lines of we were doing those songs we were doing those songs before i left before we left and it wasn't just that jack everybody's always like oh jack left it wasn't just jack jack greg and todd left three three fifths of the band left the band when they when they when they dissolved they uh when they all left the band that they had already started working on that change some of the some of that material who knows how much yeah but the idea that they did and the idea and again this is like going into like the the misfits speculation of like of oh course. i wish i could hear this tape or this tape. it's the same thing like i just wish i, I would love to hear that version of tsol oh uh, i could totally t- hear that material i could hear jack doing uh a black magic or oh he would um, crush that black magic you know there's a couple songs on there that kind of lean more in jack's direction right um right not to take away from uh, listen we i like joe wood i do too yeah i like that first i like like i said like that first record and even again I love uh, I love nothing for you. Great which I song. first heard off of Return of Living Dead soundtrack. Return of Living Dead, yeah, the um, best the best soundtrack of all time. The, the best soundtrack of all time. And I'll tell you something. I've tried listening to other like Jet Blackberry songs. I've tried yeah. listening to the Tall Boys and stuff. And it's just like for some reason it's just those tracks that really sort of do it for me. Like, well, you I, know, the, the, yeah, I totally agree. I'm looking at the original day bill for it right there. By the way, for Return of Living that's Dead, that's awesome. Um, uh, I went to the 20th anniversary in 05 at the Egyptian and yeah. they had, Oh yeah. You're reading that. Yes. And yes. Um, I see the notifications yeah, yeah. and I went to the screening and it was all the cast and all the crew. And what I didn't know, and I don't know if, how much this is known now is Dinah cancer. The singer of 45 grave was the artist who uh, hand picked all the songs. That I did not know. I never knew that. Really? I, it, she was on this dais 
with that makes sense with everybody and talking about how uh is it enigma i think was the record label yes because uh, that and, was the enigma was was tsol's record label yeah and and so and for i think uh sleep and safety the one 45 grave album right. is on there um and uh of course i'm drawing a blank on his name uh uh paul rossler yeah who Kira's was brother brother Kira's brother yeah He's the guy that produced that UX bombs record I played on. And I'm sitting oh, there really? being like, you're Paul Rossler. You were That's in the awesome. screamers in 45 yeah. grave, man. I'm getting goosebumps now thinking about it, but I was, you know, like, Oh, that's, you know, you- Oh no. Who lot did I freeze? Who froze? Shit. Hate it when this happens. Hold on. All right. We just froze. Hello. Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were saying you were, you were, you were, you were, you were freaking out about Paul Rossler. Inner monologue was fanboying, but it, my yeah. external behavior was, you know, normal job. You know, yeah, let's bang out this session, man. Play some guitar. But uh, yeah, uh, uh, so Dinah Cancer, Enigma, and she, uh, uh, there's a word I'm reaching for, hand chose uh, these, each, each artist right. she and hand picked, hand picked. Yeah. The, yeah. the songs now um and he also he also worked with jack paul rossler worked with jack on yeah. i think gent uh jack and the west coast dukes or something maybe. oh yeah they joy, he had joy that, killer and that joy solo killer. project and joy killer and i think yeah. he might have done the trigger complex maybe yes yes he did i don't know if he re- produced it or, or engineered, engineered it or i think something. he engineered he, yeah. he might have engineered yeah. yeah robot kitten studio i think is what it's called and chip hannah on drums on both right tsol and right. the ux bombs record and, and us bombs as well yeah um yeah it, it's just yeah but that is that is a fascinating fact to me and it makes so much sense that's how you get you get the cramps. You literally have the cramps, the damned, and TSOL all in the and same. all these songs that aren't accessible. Like find that damned song anywhere else. You can't. Won't. You I, I I spent so because that's not Captain Sensible on guitar. It's uh Roman oh, really? Jug. I think it's not. It, I spent so much because I'm a nerd. I spent so much yeah. time. I was like, I want to know who this is uh, in this lineup because it was at this weird tipping point where Captain was out of the band but was still sort of like in the peripheral. Uh, at least the session was okay, and then uh, same thing with that cramp song. I think it's like a B side, super obscure, super rare, obscure. Song. Yeah, uh, that Rocky Erickson song actually is a Rocky Erickson album right there. Uh, yeah, and a tattoo right here if you're a fan. Nice. Uh, yeah, uh, burn the flames. Bur- big big fan. Uh, I got to meet him before he passed, and so uh, that even that song is at the time was sort of a deep cut and the version of nothing for you from TSL is not the same version that's on the album. It's like, an yes, it's mix. a much different version. And of it's the song. way, it's way better. It's way better than yeah. the album version. Yeah. And, and there's also uh what is it? Something Iranians that plays. Oh, and it's not on the soundtrack. And yeah. It's not on the soundtrack. And it was like, that was like and, the earliest. Yes. Of- and there's another band that's not on the soundtrack, not SSD, but it's another band from Tang. It's another tag oh, really? catalog punk. It's a, some random punk band like the FUs. Maybe it's somebody huh. like that. And I know that because one of my first jobs out of high school, before I became a touring musician for about nine months, I worked at a record label called Tang and they were a reissue label. We had the exploited stuff, little fingers, wow. uh, anything UK 82 kind of stuff. 
uh, Dropkick Murphys. We had all that stuff. And I remember whatever this band was, I think it's the FUs and just like the young Iranians or whatever. It was a song in the movie, but not on the soundtrack. And I'll tell you something. Those needle drops are so friggin' iconic, dude. Like, oh yeah. When you hear when you hear the laugh from Deadbeat Dance, or when you hear the when the, Do when you the all those, party? yeah, it's yeah. Just, all of it, man. All of all it of just it. uh uh it is so it, it's so iconic to me and so uh great and really just absolutely enhances the the soundtrack that and also obviously suburbia's soundtrack is phenomenal oh, yeah yeah the, darker my the love wash my love yeah you can't um, you can't get that anywhere either well they there is the studio version of darker my love which is it, it's a great version but i think i prefer the is live it, is it recorded in that era uh no they recorded that in 2005 yeah with yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah i yeah I, i've known tiny for forever i know that version tiny I mean, right from that era i don't think there's a uh, studio recording of that track there there might be a well i do know that's not they, one that's public no there's not definitely not one that's public i do know that they played it live and you know what's interesting when they started doing the reunion show not the reunion shows the anniversary shows is what i mean uh in 2020 i thought that they had never played glass streets before live I, that when they were opening up with that and i was really? like holy shit this is super cool however i found some video online from 83 they're totally playing glass streets so that was in the, they were doing an instrumental at punk rock shows they were doing a, a friggin keyboard heavy instrumental song uh just at, in the middle at, of their at set hardcore shows yeah at yeah. hardcore shows so friggin' badass dude and there's a great i don't know if you've seen this it's online they did it for like gibson or something uh it's an acoustic version of of triangle and they also did weathered statues um yeah no i i'm very familiar with that the guy that that does all the footage that stuff at the gibson showroom and uh, i'm a oh. casual gibson artist so it's uh, uh it's my, my some friends of mine and, and nice the stuff that they crank out there. They did one with social distortion. They did one with, um, it's a great Kirk series with Kirk Hammett and, and Dave Mustaine. And they're all, they're all so really cool. You know, it's like that nice fine line between like punk rock and hard rock and heavy metal and stuff. Yeah. And just doing acoustic versions that like, you never would imagine the triangle working as an acoustic song. But, and but they totally make it, does. they make it go. And that reunion record, uh what is it is it disappear it's got anti yeah disappear on. yeah anti-cop uh, sodomy yeah, um, oh, motivate a, motivate yeah such a great terrible uh, people uh such a great record it uh, is man a bootleg copy right. of it on vinyl floating around out there and i'm got my i'm tr waiting for one to come up because i'm just i didn't know so that was never officially never pressed, released on vinyl. never officially released on vinyl but somebody in europe of course bootlegged it recently maybe like 17 or 18 and so they're out there. If you're on, if anyone's a nerd like I am on Discogs, you'll see one come up every six Damn. or eight months. Yeah, dude. I yes, I love that album. However, if you have to make, if you put a gun to my head and and say pick between Divided We Stand and Disappear, I'm gonna go with Divided We Stand because like that every single song is a banger. Is, is Fuck You Tough Guy on that one? Fuck You Tough Guy is on yeah. that one. However, what's on I think Disappear and not on Divided We Stand, or at least it was an a a b-side two b-side oh no wasted is on is wasted on uh disappear i think i got a guy that i needed a place to be a medical i don't Where know but know? but that but the mike uh the ron emery what is it in my head song that you like is on disappear yes it is and 
they also have a B-side that never it came out because that was on. Oh, no, it was on Nitro. Nitro. Who was yeah. on, they were both on Nitro, I think. Yep. Yeah. So, Nitro. Offspring. I was sort of around for that because we were all on work tour at the same time. I was a young man. Wow. And it was they had the Damned and TSOL. And basically Offspring said, we're going to sign our two favorite bands of all time. Right. Because they did Grave Disorder. Yep. Democracy. On vinyl. Great oh, song. What a great riff. Really, really great. With the Winston so, Churchill quote at the beginning. And um, yeah, but they have a song called Sold. TSOL had a song called Sold. It was on a comp huh. called Punkzilla. And that was off of Nitro Records. And that also had Son of Sam on it. Yes, I have some Son of Sam stories uh, Todd, <laughs> via Todd Youth. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Um, and what was interesting was, yeah, all those bands were on the same comp. It was TSOL, The Damned, and Son of Sam all together on... Just putting all the contemporary death rock on one thing. Probably had an AFI song on there, too, if they were smart. I am i don't know if... A, I don't, AFI was signed to a different label, which I think is why he didn't... He they didn't were on Nitro that for, second record. For, for... They were on Nitro for a minute, though, but yeah. who knows? Yeah. I said I I have always professed this like I the 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 guy the guy they got for the second album Sky uh is Scott that his Thorne. name Scott Thorne yeah Todd, I, he went by uh Todd Todd Thorne or no excuse me Ian Thorne but his Ian real name Thorne. his real name is Sky and I've known Sky and I've known each other since we were teenagers oh okay Here he go, uh, his vocals are very interesting and I always said but I don't know if there was ever plans to do I mean there isn't any more. But at the time when it was still possible, I always kind of thought like, like, you know, instead of like seeking out like di different vocalists, I just always wanted Steve to do it. Like, why doesn't Steve just Steve, friggin' sing? Steve's a great singer. It, Steve would have been awesome. That project he had, um, Black. Black 29. I directed 29, that video. No I directed, shit. Yeah. So have you seen uh, the video for Sweet Nothing? it's in black if, and white maybe yeah 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 yeah. i mean it's been a few years now okay that so i directed that... their music video and i just directed their new music video with yerky um i think i can publicly say this now because steve was sure. on the show it's yeah. yergi tommy from prong uh, from danzig and yeah. johnny kelly okay um and and dano and they're doing a cover i think the cover has not been revealed yet but Got those it. guys are on the video and that video is uh that's actually why steve was calling me just now that video oh. will is due to be out at some point um, awesome yeah that that yeah that black record, 29 freaking that record great, is dude. great i can't remember who sent me that but i love it and uh you know at uh, here's what i will say at one point and i'm sure steve will can uh confer or confirm this confirm. uh at one if you ask at one point he and Todd and Sky, aka Ian Thorne, were talking about doing a third Son of Sam album. Um, I don't know if oh, so was... he was still involved at that point. He yes, was still and, involved. And and Sky, I know him as oh. Sky. He, Ian Thorne and Todd and I met at the Burgundy Room in Hollywood and sat down because it was just it was. I think I was in Pussycat already, but it wasn't much yeah. longer after I did my tenure with Murphy's Law, and. Uh, Todd wanted a second guitar player in the band and he was basically oh. saying, and he sent me two songs I have no idea where those songs are or what because this was I probably still had a flip phone this was probably like 2009 or 2010 or 11 but uh, at some point I can absolutely confirm 
that there were songs that Todd had written that were intended for a third Son of Sam record with the same singer from the second one. And I believe, uh, I believe that Zing was going to play bass, at least on the album. So uh, gotcha. it, was, it was talked about. Yeah. And then, and then Todd passed away. Everyone got busy and then Todd passed away and, you know, things disappear like that, but it, uh, it, right. it definitely was a conversation had. So there was, there was, I didn't know that, I didn't know that Sky was still involved or yeah. at least was in talks for a, a third, for the third one as well. I just, yeah. I really love, I loved the idea. I love the concept. I love the project. Um, a big fit, big, big fan of that first, uh, the first batch of songs, particularly, I really, really, really key in on. And oh, yeah. um, yeah, what it, a it's great a shame sort of that we didn't get a third one. Between Sam Hain and AFI kind of thing. Hey, I got yeah. a question for you. Uh, yeah, I need to run to the bathroom. You want me to? Pee? Yeah, go ahead. Or you want? As I say, do you want me? To, do you no. want me to? You know, wrap go it ahead. Up? Go want... ahead. I right. fill in dead air. This minute. happens all the time. Yes. Um, Ace's Ace's uh, taking a quick bathroom break. Poor Ace. He's not accustomed to the 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 long broadcast. Boy, we've been going for a long ass time. I actually have to wake up in the morning. Crap. Uh, but it's so effortless and easy to talk to Ace. He's such a, a an awesome guy with great stories and uh, very effortless and easy to talk to. So that's what happens. You you blink your eyes and it's suddenly two hours and 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 two and a half hours have gone by. We'll definitely have to have uh, we'll have him back uh, at another another point in time. Uh, I see a comment here. Do you remember when Tang's Records store in PB? San Diego had hundreds of vinyls of Misfits Beware under the record bin. Don't know if they were. They were definitely bootlegs, Mark. Probably, probably bootlegs. I, I know, Rue. It just, it's just so effortless sometimes. The, the these shows tomorrow night we're doing Batman. The big Batman show is happening. I have a a, a whole crew. Uh, people will probably be popping in and popping out, uh, weighing in on Batman. So make sure to 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 check in to hear. I've seen it now. Finally, the new Batman film. I have a lot of thoughts, a lot of thoughts about the new Batman movie. I'm going to save it all for tomorrow night. So make sure you check in. If you have not done so, if it's your first time joining us, please make sure to like, share, and subscribe to the channel. Um clock is <laughs> yeah, get rid of some fluids no uh, i i want to apologize because a i like totally lost track of the time which is what happens with these shows We've been going for literally two and a half hours um and you were you know again this is uh the, the talking it never ends i've, I've learned to, <laughs> i've learned to be a camel on this show i've learned to just hold it hold my water in these situations we, we once did a show that was five Five hours and twelve minutes, I think, is the record on. Good on God, this. yeah, I it's. I, I guess, I guess, if you had somebody, you know, somebody really interesting on, I could see how. It would oh, be. I was just. No, I don't I have was, any. I don't have anywhere to be, so I don't give a shit. I'll talk all night, but I no, was definitely, I appreciate it. We I got into TSOL, it. and I was like, PSOL, PSOL. No, uh, no, no, no. It's I got really. No, sorry, I got go I got a good. I got. I was just thinking about Sam Hain and Son of Sam and all that. Please, uh, please go ahead. So, um. You know, like a lot of these, it, it, there's like a weird fine line again, talking about the difference between being a fan first and 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 then having a, my career in said industry, where you know, like, uh, you're like, how do you casually address, um, <laughs> how do you casually address people that you're friends with that are maybe like, you know, somebody of of note, 
Um, right. And uh, uh, it's probably been about seven or eight years, maybe longer, maybe like 2013 or 14. Um, but like I got to be buddies with London, like just a super sweet guy. London. And um, uh, we were swapping sort of mutual appreciation kind of thing. And and I had met him a few times and I was like, hey, I got to I got to tell you something funny. I was like, because I actually have two Samhain tattoos. But I was like, I got one of the little like uh, November coming fire guys in here. Nice sort of the little wedged. skeleton guys. Yeah, yeah, just some filler. Yeah. And he yeah. was like, Oh, I think I think that's me. And you know, and I was like, right on, we laughed. <laughs> and then he goes, I got I got one for you. And here's something, and maybe I'm telling a story that I shouldn't tell, but he uh fuck it, right? And so he told me that he auditioned for Faster Pussycat in the 90s. Oh, cool. And so he was like, I and at the time I was still in Pussycat, and he was like, I auditioned for you guys. Uh we ended up, they ended up, not me. Uh, getting uh, Frankie Benali to fill in, uh, who's oh, no longer right, right? Yeah, he's a, a yeah. good friend of mine, uh, who's now preceded by uh, Johnny Kelly, um, right? Who's also a really great human being, but um, and fantastic drummer. But uh, uh, my point was, is I was like, no shit, and he was like, yeah, he's like, I don't really tell anybody that story, and I was like, yeah, fair enough. And then we started talking because he was in a band called the Huns or Die Huns with Dwayne Peters, and then we were talking about our time working with Dwayne and and yada yada and uh and whatnot and and um, now yeah. and now he's in a band with rick agnew yep and james mcgreedy yeah and they do a bunch of christian well, death stuff yeah yes and i that got singer guy is great the, yeah, it, the songs it, what is it two songs i think they've done two seven inches now i only have one of them and yeah. i was just excited i've been I literally this project has been in like the, the uh, James and, and Rick have been trying to do something together for, for a while. They had the guys, you know, prayers, the Cholo oh, goth guys. Yeah. 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 They, they were doing, they collaborated with Rick and James on something. They their name comes from that, that song by Christian death. Huh? And yeah, that's where they got the name from is from prayers. So they did, they did like, a, I think they did like a whole album's worth of material that never materialized or whatever. Something didn't happen. And then those guys just kept working and working and working, trying to figure something out. And then they got that eventually it turned into symbolism, which makes me happy. I hope they come oh, yeah. to the East. I want to see I, that. I would love to see it at any point. I think it's a really yeah. cool project and it sort of carries on that tradition of the Roz Williams era, Christian death. Yes. There was actually, I don't know if you ever saw it. It, it was on YouTube briefly. Uh, I think it was like a very limited edition um, sort of like a, a video that they like DVD release that they had put out is from 2007 when they had a big, big, they call themselves Christian death. No, they call themselves CD 1313. Yeah. Yes. I remember like that. that. And I might have actually seen that in, oh. in, in concert and, and with my, Ava. My, o yeah. On. With Ava. O. and I'm so like, you know, couldn't tell you what I ate for breakfast yesterday that uh i think i caught one of those shows somewhere oh, i'm so jealous that's um, awesome because it's on dvd or it but was. This was this was like what like late aughts like oh seven oh i was gonna say you you nailed it on the head it was 2007 yeah and that man that band was a really cool band and it had some of the people they like they were all Roz williams protégés yeah it besides... was everybody that came from that sort of well, you're the little. you're the second way when when Roz, you know, it's funny now how like Cleopatra has become like 
the go-to for like goth and metal stuff now i just put out i just put out some music on cleopatra yeah it's like that that because it's the place to be and um and what's funny is but in the 90s cleopatra was like that was like where Roz williams was putting out all his music he was doing everything christian death the iron mask christian death the just all this different stuff i was doing shadow projects um uh, just all wasn't, his bands wasn't he, he, was whoa. danny from electric frankenstein and shadow project is that the band i'm thinking of uh maybe okay maybe all, all i know is danny from electric frankenstein was in some post christian death project with with right uh, Roz, and i right. might have been Shadow project um very possible i know there were a few iterations too of shadow project but in any case he was that was and that's when he started battling valor Oh, for, for the, the name, name. that's yeah, similar to TSOL. Yeah, right. And the, and that's you know again we we this is like a case study that we're endlessly discussing. We've we always talk about the Misfits version, but yes, T both T and we've talked about TSOL's version as well a little bit. TSOL and Christian Death once again two bands. It's always the same story. Yep. The there's some new element whether it's you 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 know some guy who's like the Jerry only of the situation, (laughs) whether it's Valor, I'd say Valor and Jerry have a lot in common in that kind of way, or, or even um, Joe Wood where they come in. um, You know, you know, did you, you, are you aware that there's the same problem with LA guns? Okay. So (laughs) I, 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 I'm not supposed to talk about it, but yeah, yeah. you know, I kind of had a feeling and I wasn't sure if I should ask you about it. So I didn't actually, but I sort of understood that, and I don't know if that was does that have to do with Guns N' Roses or there's two different no. LA Guns bands. No, what it is is what it is is the the 10 cent version is that Tracy at some point was my the the namesake of the band, the guy who wrote all the music, the noted guitar player, at some point left the band. I don't know the whole story and it, it doesn't apply to me. I don't it's none of my whatever. It's old news. Right. And the rest of the band kept going. And so they got another guitar player, they put out some albums. And then at some point, let's say 10 years later, uh, Tracy and the singer Phil Lewis uh, reconciled and were like, we should put the band back together. But Tracy's thing was, I don't want to work with the drummer. I don't like him. He's done some things and blah, blah, blah. Gotcha. gotcha. Hence, hence, we're having this conversation. But uh, so Phil basically dissolved LA Guns with, they had sort of a rotating cast of bass players but took the the guitar player and then Tracy took his solo band, which was our current drummer. And then our bass player, his, his bass, blah, blah, his bass player, Johnny Martin, and they combined. So we got the original guitar player and then, and the original singer, and then the original singer, uh, singer and his guitar player meeting with the original guitar player, and his drummer and bass player and wow. formed what we know as LA guns. Now sans today, as in without the one guitar player, I'm in his stead. But, um, so that went on for a couple of years and that drummer, I'm not even going to say his name, yeah. went off to do whatever and was living his life. And then I, I, I'm not even supposed to talk about this, but basically the reunion got all this hype and press and the numbers went up and we were, the band was doing well and is doing well. And then all of a sudden he was like, uh, somebody offered him what we would call like, uh, I'm trying to choose my word and carefully here, fucking blabber mouth, always hanging on to everything. Um, basically somebody offered him some a a chunk of change out of spite to put together an alternate version 
Oh my and, God. And then it went through all this litigation. But and he is original. He's uh, the drummer. not also, even an original member. So how could he do that then? Uh, legally he can't. And so we ended up now Holy he has shit. his, he has his namesake version of, you know, it's, you know, whatever, you know, Mark's, yeah. Mark's LA guns. And then right. we're, LA, we're LA guns, which is so. It's just like the Chromags too. You have Chroma, like, yeah, like you had Harley. Harley got the name back, and then it's him versus John Joseph, right? And then and it's John... such a it's a, such a fine line though, because it's like to me, it's like if you have Dave Vanian and Captain Sensible, that's the damned. Now, if right. Rat Scabies wants to play, you this know, some damn interesting. Songs, this is so he interesting. Should, what he should be right able now. to play damn songs, but if he decides to start a band five years later, you can't just call it the damned. The same thing happened with Faster Pussycat, where the 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 timeline was going and i was in the lineup through all that too which was a fucking nightmare and the same guy singing in the scab version of faster pussycat is now singing in the scab version of la guns that <laughs> motherfucker you know nice nice kid but just you know that's on, so man. but this is like this but is so like you so get this band this timeline yeah. going and then like like a company and you get fired or this guy quits or whatever, right. whatever and it you know guy comes in the original guy comes back whatever and the timeline's going and then you get these guys over here that go oh we decided seven years later we want to do we want to take you know or whatever yeah. and it, it's interesting to flip the coin on that on tsol because at that point it was then it was for the original guys versus joe wood and whoever he you know uh Right. It was Joe remember. Mitch was the was the was the the Mitch, drummer Mitch Dean. Todd. Yeah. Mitch yeah. Dean. He came in to fill yeah. in. So he's like he's not he if you call TSOL, whatever you want to call it, TSOL Mach 2. Yeah. He Mach was two. there from the beginning of TSOL Mach 2 yeah. with Joe Wood. So he him and Joe Wood basically uh, slowly but surely as Ron and Mike leave the band slowly but surely they basically buy out all the interest yeah in the name and then the four original guys i mean it's literally this is probably the most extreme version of this i can't think of anything more it, extreme it is because i almost side with joe wood but at the end of the day when you when you because of the timeline but when it's, you start talking about buying stuff out like that and 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 it's not like they disappeared into obscurity they got signed to a major label and were like on mtv you know right. so it was like they had uh, you know some a horse in the race and so i get why the guys the four guys came back around and were kind of but if like, you're calling yourself tsol so here's what's interesting though and it's again are you familiar with the philo the philosoph i think we again i think i mentioned this in the previous stream the idea of the greek ship and if you remove every part of the greek ship at, at some point and then eventually the, there's nothing from the greek ship that's like original it's all replaced what yeah. is what makes the greek ship the greek ship if it was yeah. it's like a it's like a ship that's supposed to be like two thousand years old that had slowly been replaced over time or whatever well the, I, I i know where you're going with the analogy and i i, I get it but you gotta everybody there's this nostalgia thing just the same reason we want walk among us era or whatever or we want yeah you know we want to go see flag because it's the guys we don't care about greg ginn's him and six guys he found you know what I mean? We want that nostalgia lineup, but or that that's the more version. legitimate. But that's but here's now here's what's but fascinating. You're, you're you're balancing that between what the fans want and nostalgia versus a business sense and right. sort of like re reality. You know, right? But here's what's interesting it, it, to bring up flag. So again, all of these are like very interesting case studies, especially what you just said about the damned. But here's yeah. a perfect example: flag is full of people who maybe contributed lyrics 
yeah. in some cases, like like Keith Morris legitimately yeah. contributed lyrics that would consider him to be publisher or have yeah, publishing interest. The, the wasted EP or something. Right. Like I mean, it's yeah. not a lot. Uh, nothing. It pale. All of it pales in comparison to Greg Ginn. And you have diehard flag fans. And for anybody who wants the full deep dive, we did two ginormous. It's five hours of flag. <laughs> I was at that channel. TSOL and flag show in Philly. In oh, you 20, were, I was at the, okay. We were on the same tour 2013. Oh, yes. Yeah. 13. What a it was fucking, great. what a great yes, show. Such a great show. But, but see, that's the right way to do it is be like, we're, we're flag. And if you right? know, you know, you right. know what I mean? It's, it's, I, it's they didn't like, call themselves black flag. They no. And that's flag. to yes. me, that's the right way to yes. do it. Just the same way. Stephen Adler's always had Adler's appetite or Adler or something, yeah. something where it's like a wink and a nod. But like if Stephen Adler, for example, you know, who's a friend, if he would out was like, I decided to call my band guns and roses. It, right. It, it doesn't work. And so in my instance, it's sort of the same thing where it's like, call it something else and play the songs. Sure. But like to call it the same thing, uh, sort of in, and this is me speaking as a fan and as a, not as a representative of the band, but to call it that to sort of dupe people into being like, Oh, I bought people were like, I bought your new record and I went to, I'm going to see you. And I'm like, that's not the band with the singer or the guitar player, or the namesake. You know, yeah. and it's, it had to I go mean, through what, all this litigation. We had to sue and like all this litigation it's, it's and all brand this shit. Confusion. Look at what happened to the Misfits. And the, yeah. you, know, you know what? When Glenn was suing, and a lot of people were like, you know, at the time, maybe it's like you're rooting for Jerry and Doyle because yeah. you want the you want the Misfits to come back, and everybody wants the Misfits to come back because they miss the Misfits. But it's like at the same time, you know, and Glenn, I don't think Glenn, when he, when Glenn was trying to stop this from happening, I don't think he was trying to stop it from happening because he was th necessarily thinking about brand confusion. He just didn't want it to happen, period. Yeah. But and I, uh, that's an artistic control that I believe, I personally believe he had the right to. Yeah. Because I do as even well. though we love Uncle Jerry, we really yes. do. The entire he should have changed the name. I, yes, I've said this. I've always I constantly I say this it, on the channel. I, I treat yes. it like two other bands. It's two bands to me. I you just know? they could have called themselves the resurrected, they could have called themselves so many different things. Yeah. They could have Dead Kings Rise. There was a bunch of names they want to call themselves them. They yeah. would have gotten more respect. It would have made it just would have made more but sense. But now value was in the name. And I know a ton of stuff that I'm not gonna say on air because yeah. we had the same booking agent for forever. Um, you it, know, it comes and, down to that, right? It's just like, it's just so, like, so hey, much, it's a, it's guarantees, it's business, you know? it's business stuff. It's yeah. business stuff, you know? Yeah. And it's like, well, I could make $500 calling You're it, motivated. You know, yes. calling it from us an ace, or if we call it right. Metallica, we're going to get a lot of money, right? you know, or right. Whatever, right. whatever, you know, and it, it becomes a, a, a fine line and it really is case by case. And Again, even if I wasn't in the band that I'm in, I would still side with the guys because I'd be like, wait a minute. So you're the singer and you're the lead guitar player who wrote all the songs and the band's named after you and you're the only true original member. That's the band. It's like if you right. you have to have a founding member, yep. you have to have a front man yep. or you have to have a creative songwriter that's, in order that's, to that's continue. My right. That's, that's my band versus a guy that was the drummer on the second album on. So. Yeah. You know, and again, talking about original members, the first record of LA Guns, the drummer's actually Nikki Beat, who was in the Germs and the Weirdos and the Skulls oh. and uh, Mau Mau's and the Joneses and all that stuff. You know, so 
Uh, let's let's take a look again at this thing, and we're gonna listen. It, it's almost sure. midnight. Let's wrap this up at midnight because oh, yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. gonna. Yeah, I, I but I have to wake up anyway yeah. for the kids and stuff. It's gonna. Yeah. Uh, but listen, we definitely have to come back on. This was yeah. great. Really, yeah, absolutely. Really enjoyed. Everybody enjoyed having you on. Um, Good let's hear. pull up this. Let's pull up this damn thing for a minute because that is a fascinating um, notion. The idea that okay, so Rat Scabies is an original member, and I also. I don't know how much Rat contributed to the songwriting. I don't know what the deal was in the Damned. If it was like, because there's some bands where it's like 25, 25, 25%, right? I'm a pretty you know? avid Damned fan. And I yeah, think what is, most, what is it? most of the first two records were written solely by, by Brian James, including a lot of the lyrics, if not most Interesting. of them. Wow. Uh, and uh, I mean, I know New Rose is a sole Brian James composition. Really? Um, yeah. And, uh, and then I think when he out, when they broke up initially in 78 or nine, and yeah. they had that, that little thing with where Lemmy was in the band for a right. minute. Lemmy was a bass player. Yeah. 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 Motor damned. And they did those couple songs. <laughs> he played on the, their version of ballroom blitz, which is killer. You can't miss his bass tone. Wow. And, uh, 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 and then they came back and then sensible took over and it was the sensible show. But I believe right. that scabies had some writing credit and there's some stuff post captain sensible in their sort of new romantic gothic era right that that scabies wrote and right. i can't and remember it was in 96 right so i mean there was a time where it was it was dave vaney and then scabies steering that ship and, and whoever else yeah right and i believe and and that was kind of when uh when scabies was kind of the our jerry only if you will and right. so he was kind of like the man running the show. Cause I think Dave's always, I did a tour with the damned by the way. And so I got to kind of rub wow. elbows with them for about two weeks uh, in 2009, which was a whole other story for another time. But, um, wow. but, but now they're doing the damned is as it is the, it is a, a lineup, but then they're doing these handful of reunion shows with all four of them, which, which is, is fascinating. To awesome. Me. Oh, I, I, lo cool. I, I love it's, it. I love it's it. It's like, look, just do it. it. It's it's respectfully. It's a it's a little bit. It's probably a cash grab. Everybody's. I, no, I much, think it's it's very much, tasteful. It's, it's very, very tasty. It's absolutely tasteful. Yeah. But it's you know, those guys are getting up there. So late yeah. 60s. So, you know what? If they want to send everybody out with, you know, fifty thousand dollars for a while. Yeah, they're putting, yeah you awesome. put your put your band. They're putting the band on ice and going, listen, we're going to do an original yeah. run. Yeah. And it, everybody's and that's OK. Yeah, it's cool. It's a it's a very cool way to sort of do that sort of thing, you know. I, I, before the pandemic happened, I was in I was looking into buying tickets to fly over to see it because I just wanted to to catch them, right because it was know? only in England, right? Yeah, yeah, only in the UK. They because they did not want to travel with that. They were like, "Fuck that, we're just going to do it in England and call it." Yeah, a day. and then they postponed and postponed, right? And whatever, and that, it's now still the, postponed, the, right? Yeah, I think. But then the damned is their current incarnation, the touring lineup, which right. also includes a bass player from the sort of original heyday uh strawberries right. era whose name that, is right 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 he came he came and, yeah. and that's the lineup i saw with the, the 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 key player who left uh oxymoron i think his name is oh is he the... monty left yeah he's gone it's the i think the, the keyboard dr player bounced the, the, no i think you're thinking of the drummer no you're right pinch it's the drummer the pinch drummer is left. gone and i know bad. pinch I know Pinch because he was the talent buyer at House of Blues San Diego. So I just know him as like oh. a guy from the industry who also happens to be in the damned or was for right. a long he time. Left. Yeah, he left. He was in like 20 plus years. Right. But but the 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 bass player, he's like the second, he's the second bass player essentially. He's the he's the third. Yeah. Or right, the third after Al, Lemmy, Al, but he's like Algie, the, Algie, he was after Algie Ward. 
Oh, wait a minute. Isn't he even? Hold on a second. A Captain Sensible. Yep. Then, uh, then Algae. Lemmy. Oh, well, then okay. Algae. Yeah, if we're counting Lemmy, yeah. But uh, and then Algae came in for the Machine Gun Etiquette era, right? And I think he's on the Black Album. I think. And then okay. he split. And then they got the guy whose name I can see his face. The guy from Eddie and the Hot Rods. Uh, I I know my punk rock, but I can't remember Thank his fucking you, name. Chris. Yeah. Chris, I don't know. I, I just got a notification from you. Chris in the comments. Thank you so much. Much appreciated. Something happened. I just got a this third party software. You can't really read. It's so weird. I'm looking over here. I don't see anything. But um, thank you, Chris. Big salute to you. Um, but what's interesting is okay, so here, but here's what's interesting. So now let's say that separately, and we're talking, we're obviously not this is not news. We are talking completely circumstantially. Yeah. Um, as we're exploring the this notion of 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 bands like bands doing stuff or or fracturing and then doing their own versions of bands. And and I guess I didn't understand the like the guns, whatever you want to call it, the guns universe is way bigger than I thought. Like this, because like oh, all yeah. these the, the tree, it's a big tree, much bigger than I thought it was, uh, which yeah. is fascinating to me. Yeah, LA but, Guns is a pretty intense uh family tree, if you will. Right. It's a they have a tree. Now, now let's say that rat scabies was like, all right, I'm doing rat scabies the damned. Would people yeah, be they like did, they did that? Him and he and Brian James, they toured and Texas Terry, who who I mentioned earlier, she sang for them. They did a whole slew of dates across Europe as uh damn. Yeah, they damn, didn't call damn. themselves the they, they, okay, but they were after the the, the album name. They yeah. wasn't actually yeah. they weren't go saying you hey, need to watch damn. you need to watch the documentary, my friend. I'm gonna really watch the documentary. Watch, it sounds like I really need we to watch dead. this documentary. It's was there it's, tension? Was there friction over that? Oh yeah. yeah oh, a, I did not know there's, that. There's there's a moment where Captain Sensible is on like a train going across Europe and he he get, he's holding up a newspaper and it says like Brian James and Rat Scabies doing damn damn damned and it's the album cover and he goes I, I I don't know if you guys know this but I think that's me, <laughs> you know, being like wow. basically calling it out being like they're advertising my face but which we encountered you know, it was like we were seeing press releases from another band with the similar name, right? With people's names and pictures. And we're going like, you're purposely misleading people, you know? Yeah. And, and it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's case by case to me. Um, I don't very wanna... so case by case, case by case. And look at the Ramones. Look at the Ramones. Oh, yeah. Well, right? and then we've got all those, but you know, there's no shortage of Marky and Didi and or not Didi, but you know, Richie and everybody and CJ sometimes going out and playing. And I think it's great. Like, you know, I mean, not that I'm, a Ramon, but if I in 20 years, when everyone's retired or no longer with us, want to go out and play as Ace Von Johnson and you know that you're gonna hear the songs that maybe you know me from from right. whatever band, right. sure. No, totally. But I'm not gonna go out there and be like, I decided to start a band. I'm gonna call it Faster Pussycat because I was in the band once 20 years ago. Right. You know, especially when you're going up against that concurrent version of said band you know which is where the tsol thing personally to me gets tricky it's like that's why i think even though i'm sure there was a legal loophole they did the right thing they did the right thing with that live 91 you know it was like you know jack and ron and mike and and, and todd you know by name and they, if you yeah, knew but they did that if you knew you knew yes but they, yeah of course so of course it was they, begrudgingly they yeah. should have been able to go out and play as tsol they should have they, they, they couldn't because there was still a con 
concurrent They legally timeline. did not own the, the name, which the is Greek so ship was still going with different parts, right? Right, you know? the Greek ship. But that's what's so crazy is like this idea that like, and then here's what I don't understand. And again, I, I get it. I get it. Like at that point, it's like the name becomes a brand and the brand is a valuable asset for yes. guarantees. And that's ultimately what motivates people to do these things. But here's the thing. I, when you look at these from a fan perspective, it is just so, and I, and then here's the thing. It's, Maybe you it's, should. It, Maybe you should be looking at it from a fan perspective. It can be devastating, and I know because I've seen bands where I'm like, "What the fuck is this?" You know, you show yeah. up and it's like the drummer or it's the guy that played tambourine, and there's no singer or whatever the fuck it is. And yeah, but it's it, weird, it, man. It it just depends. It's really going to be case by case. Uh, I went to see the Sonics a few years ago, and it was like, oh, uh, big fan. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I love like, the Sonics. Me too. And I, it was like some original members. And then I went and saw him again, and it was like even less some original members. And then I saw him again, and it was like the guy that replaced the original guy in the in 70. So he was kind of he was like the Doyle, you know, and he's not an original, <laughs> right, but he was there right. for the heyday. And it just and and same thing with the Beach Boys. I just went and saw the Beach Boys last month, and they were fantastic. But it's it's Mike Love and and Brian Johnson, Bruce Johnson, Bruce Johnson. Yeah, it's yeah. the two guys, and then just sort of whoever. It's like their kids and John Stamos, and then like right. Oh, is John Stamos is playing drums for him, right? Yeah, guitar, and then dr- these plays. He it's the John Stamos show. He kind that of like is, me, okay, meanders that's awesome. okay, around that's the stage great. doing whatever he wants, and his guitar on the, in huge letters said Saget and I was like right oh that's yeah. great you know I'm I gotta tell you I would go so I saw I got to see the 2012 reunion with uh Brian Wilson Keith Jardine no wow. Al Jardine yeah yeah I saw I saw the band like I saw wow. that that version of the band that's but what huge. happened what was it was huge it was it was a, such a treat it was such an uh uh a, it was like it was the equivalent of seeing a it was equivalent of seeing not the Beatles but like yeah this yeah, is up, a band up, up there it's up there. If you think about it, these are contemporaries of the Beatles. And now the core creative team is getting back together and they're doing all the hits and they, Oh my God, they were just, they were fucking phenomenal. Uh, but what's crazy is, you know, and you know, I'm not going to get into, we don't have to get into the whole Mike love thing, but th- the point is, is that Mike love is like, okay, we're putting you on ice. And now I'm going to take, cause he, cause, cause the beach boys play something like 300 shows a year. Or yeah. 250 shows a year. The Bruce Johnson, Mike Love version of Beach Boys. Yes. Yes. They play, they constantly are touring. But what's amazing is that he could reunite with Al Jardine and friggin' Brian Wilson and do all the greats, all the hits and stuff. And, and they sound great and they do a great thing. And then he goes, okay, we're putting you on ice and now we're going to go do the other thing. And it's just kind of like, how can you keep doing, like, it's like, w- what are you doing to the name I mean, yeah. well, they call it their beach boys, but they're really beach old men. So it's kind of like, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, um, it, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's, it really is subjective. Like there's no, and the thing I mentioned about going back to the Ramones for a minute, what I'm referring to is the fact that the Ramones had two songwriters in the band, two yeah, pri- D- pr- principal Dee Dee songwriters. and Johnny, or I guess right. Dee, 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 Dee and Joey. And jo- Joey. Johnny did not write. Johnny never wrote any songs. As a matter of fact, the only no, Johnny was not a songwriter. Johnny, what when the band started, they it was a 25% split between the four members. And listen, you've been in a billion bands, and I'm sure I've heard this from from countless musicians that when you do a split like that, it makes for it it, there's less 
Yeah, well, there's just less there's less tension because there's just, you know, or yeah. it's a way to to like nip certain problems in the bud because you're just not dealing with certain resentments that come with, you know, yeah, that's what would be that's what's inevitable when you don't. Right. Uh, we call it keep the troops happy kind of thing. Keep you know? the troops happy. And then, you know, then the, the counter to that also is like, well, look, I'm the one that's doing all the fucking legwork here. And like you can you can look at the, the, the argument from both sides very easily. Sure. Yeah. You can look at. Just look at what happened between um, uh, Andy and friggin' Sting, and and yeah. uh, uh, friggin' what's it song? I'll be watching you uh, with uh, with Puff Daddy. That that whole situation was insane. The riff, it was Andy's riff, but Sting had the publishing for the song. Yeah, and so he got the money, and Andy didn't get everything, even though that was the only part that was used in the song. Was his part? Yeah, was his part? Fa- like crazy shit. You know what I mean? So Johnny Ramone never wrote anything. Uh, frankly, Johnny Ramone didn't even really play any solos or leads on no, the studio. No, you know, you know, Walter who, Lure. Walter, fucking Dan, beat me to it. Yeah, Walter Lure. Walter Lure. Daniel Ray and yeah. fucking Mickey Lee. Those yeah. guys were the well. I like pinning pinpointing the Walter Lure stuff out because I'm just I'm such a, a heartbreaker. What fan. what is what did you know? I got to and I I got to go to Walter Lure's house and I interviewed him uh, about twelve years ago uh, out in Sheep's Bay, Queens, and uh, it was uh, that 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 will be if you are a Patreon person, you will get to see some that will be making its way soon okay. enough. Uh, Billy Raff too. If you haven't seen the Billy Raff video, you got to watch the Billy Raff video on my channel. No, I haven't, but I'll check that out. Okay, so Joe Joe Truck and I like found Billy Raff. Yeah, he found. I didn't find Billy Raff. He found Billy Raff. Joe, I know Joe Truck through Sky through Ian Thorne. Oh, do you really? Yeah, Yeah, Joe was okay. So Joe, uh, Joe was on Pizza Punk as well. But Joe and I. Oh, you watch? Yeah, yeah. So Joe and I. uh, Yeah, Joe and I go. So you know. So you know. Joe and I go way back. Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah. Fucking amazing guy, and he's Love got Joe. the Brain Eater stuff coming out on Cleopatra. Right? Yes, it's coming yeah. out on Cleopatra. Very happy that that EP was yeah, long overdue. Yeah, long overdue to come out. Um, but uh, wait, what were we talking about? Oh, Walter Lure. How do you know what's what? Do you know? Um, or how do you know what he played on? Because I don't. What what off, what off it? off the top of my head? I don't. But I know it's that sort of like eighties. Uh, right, it wouldn't like have been pleasant, in the 90s. Pleasant, no, it's like pleasant dreams, yeah, and totally, may, totally. Uh, maybe uh, 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 what's the blue with the shadows? It's too my favorite, to die. too tough to die. It's my favorite Moans record. I can't remember the fucking title. Uh, Johnny maybe, has maybe songwriting credits die. on that, he Johnny, does, yeah. He 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 wrote co wrote songs with Dee Dee. That was the one time they were really getting along together in the band. Uh, but it would be around that era. I know he's on. I'm going to say three albums uh, talking about Walter Lure, at, at least two, if not three, but he's right. on a couple songs. Cause you'd he like as a, as a heartbreakers, Johnny thunders disciple, if you will, as a young yeah. man, like picking up a guitar early on, I would hear an occasional solo on a Ramon song. And I'd be like, that's not Johnny, you know what yeah. I mean? Um, and but uh, my point is, is that, that he was Johnny called the shots. Johnny had a, Johnny was staked in that publishing. They yeah. were all staked in the publishing because yeah. of that, the split. However, so Dee Dee leaves, yeah. th- leaving Joey, who is not, I would say Dee Dee is probably the main songwriter, even though Joey is writing some songs, Correct. right? Yeah, Dee Dee was definitely the heart of the band. Right. So now you have this interesting situation. You still have two remaining founding members. One of them is the uh, front man. So you have the voice box. You have 
two founding members not to, i mean not that's not to say that like obviously johnny's guitar is irreplaceable and yada 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 and signature and whatnot but yes and we're just talking about all the factors but you have dd ramon continues to write for the band despite not yep. being in the band yeah which i think is a unique uh, kind very of a, unique situation interesting and then sort of like a cool like imagine Imagine if that applied to it's much different, but imagine if Danzig kept writing for the misfits when Michael Graves was singing for him. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, it, that would, that's like, that like makes my brain melt because it's yeah. just, I don't, I, I, I appreciate what you're saying, but it's too extreme. It's just too extreme. <laughs> it's too extreme. Cause he would just, that just, I just, that would never happen. Like I, I need something. You got to give me something better than that. You got to give me like, uh, yeah. All right. Um, um, give me uh, that. Cause that's, just, we so know that, that that's crazy. That's crazy. Uh, you know, I mean, whatever. Jack I'm trying Anderson, to think too. Jack Grisham writing lyrics for Joe Wood's first record or whatever. Okay. You know? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. That okay. That makes but, a little. But more the sense. Ramones thing made sense because I don't think they were necessarily on bad terms with Didi. I think they just he just wasn't in the band. It was time. Yeah, it was, it was time, time for them to leave. Yeah, yeah. He 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 was. I, I was he a mess at that time. I he think? was unhappy. He was he was he had been unhappy for. Yeah for five six seven eight years something like that from since that from the 80s on in the 80s he was just he was going through the motions yeah um, and then he went on off and did DD, the dd king DD thing king. and uh except and those he, songs ended up becoming ramon songs. songs the crusher yeah. was yeah. his version of a hip-hop song yeah <laughs> like it's well, fucking crazy dude yeah it's just it's crazy um yeah it's just this is a fascinating case, case study that i literally could like for instance there's other bands like a great example like you can't replace like once Ringo Starr comes into the Beatles the Beatles are the Beatles that's yeah. it four interchangeable parts you remove one of the parts it's no longer the Beatles although some would argue that they were you know John Lennon doesn't play on a lot of George if you look at post 1967 John Lennon's contributions to George Harrison songs are minimal minimal yeah. if non-existent like for instance, John Lennon, I don't think he plays on "Here Comes the Sun" or something. And if he does, it might, it's either backing vocals or some piano. He doesn't contribute to those songs at all. "I Me Mine," John Lennon doesn't play on at all. Those songs in nineteen in early January of nineteen seventy, that's the three dolls working together. It's the same thing with the New York Dolls, the three guys. Yeah, but that's that's every band that's every band there's you know like kirk hammett doesn't play on any metallica stuff other than the, he'll throw a solo on it you know it's like all the 90 percent of the right that's stuff true is, and is that's changed. joey santiago that's just that's just every that's, yeah. that's just every band i mean there's some la gun stuff on the new record like there's probably three songs i didn't play on you know it still says my yeah. name on it yeah you know um so you it's where you kind of like because right, you you're know. presenting your band and then the band has these members in it. I mean, it's the same thing that where they credit Joey image on Mr. Jim songs. I think it is, or Doyle, you know, Glenn played guitar. Essentially it's known that Glenn played most of the guitar on walk among us. And that Correct. Doyle didn't really play much of anything. Sure. Um, but yet it's credited to Doyle Doyle's guitar playing. So yeah, it's your, you're keeping up appearances, you know, you're I mean, keeping I've, up appearances. I'm on, there's albums that say my, you know, guitar and my name and my face and that I, you know, might've played on one song or I joined when, uh, when I joined LA guns, perfect example, the, uh, record from 2018, uh, the devil, you know, I'm pictured on it. My name's on it. Mm. Um, I did all the promo videos and stuff for it, but the album was already being pressed 
when I joined the band. So I or, or was already done and in the can. So you get stuff like that where you're like, well, we're going to present it this way. Um, and if you read the, you know, like we do, you read the liner notes and you dig in there, you know, before right. there was a Wikipedia and everything, you'd be like, oh, look at that. D.D. Ramon wrote this song. I thought he wasn't in the band anymore. You know, so it's right. It's really just and 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 when you talk about like we know, but like if the average person was going to see the Ramones or the average person was going to see the Misfits or whatever, a lot of a lot of people just don't know, especially pre-internet. When sure. I was at Madison Square Garden, the woman who was next to me kept asking me when they were going to play Saturday Night. Yeah, I can't. But that's that and that and I was is just like I don't think you're going to hear that at the show, sweetheart. <laughs> you know what it is? Ultimately, but that's ultimately the, the 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 sins the sins of the Kaiafa brothers in that. We're going to we're we're going to. There's your next documentary, the sins of the Kaiapa brothers. (laughs) No, but like uh, we we love you, we love you, Uncle Jerry and cousin Doyle. They know this. They know this. We do. We we we, we're just we're 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 waxing nerdily about your band. No, but like it's the idea that like by continuing this band and using this name, you have now invited endless comparison and scrutinization of American psycho people are going to go American psycho famous monsters and then devil's reign when talking about static age. It's just, it's bananas. Yeah. It's bananas. I mean, even within the original band that you have four or five different bands. So it's like, yeah, yeah. You're you're not, you're not wrong. Yeah. But it's still, it's like you're encompassing this original, what six and a half year window from 77 to 83. uh, Or even if you want to bleed into 84, as far as like releases coming out, right. The die, 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 die. And and then legacy, legacy. uh, Did evil live come out posthumously as a full length? I think. Yes, it did in 88. And so, wow. How much later? God, I thought it was earlier. And what's interesting is if you look at the cover, look at the bleed through colors. I don't, I don't know this. I don't remember where I read this. Oh, it's in the Pusset interview where he's talking about what he wanted for the walk among us album cover oh he wanted to be that he's talking about the bleed down i think that that earth that evil live is that thing he just had to wait all that time then when they were putting that together he's like okay this is what i want you to do and they did it they did it the right kind of way and that's what he initially had wanted for walk among us i have a 10 second story for you that's unrelated to really anything i at the same time a couple years ago for my birthday i bought two things i was really looking for we're talking about one sheets yeah uh that i wanted for a long time and i yeah i, I got angry red planet and nice. then somehow i came across a creature walks among us and they're two of my favorite pieces and yeah i took them in i had them framed and i brought them home and i'm looking at them both like where i'm gonna put these up and i'm going what what is it about these two movies that are unrelated what is it between these two movie posters there's some and I walk among us, rat, bat, spider, and I'm looking. And like a week went by, and I was like, "Walk among us!" Right? I was like I got the fucking, I got them tattooed on me. But I got yeah, the yeah, rat. yeah. Hey, don't do that. We got the rat, bat, spider, and yeah. the, you know the walk among us. And I was like, "Oh, my little misfits fiend nerd right, the brain misfits melted." Walk right among there. us, yes, yeah. the misfits walk among us, and the rat, bat, spider. Yeah. Um. Listen, I I'm gonna Time. put a pin in this. Yes, <laughs> yeah. because I, I I already see. I see it's leaking into three hours. Yeah. Four in the morning, a cup of coffee. Yeah, it's just gonna yeah. keep going. I I listen. I want to thank seriously. Want to thank Ace so much for his time. Everybody, listen. Uh, we I didn't get a chance to talk about this enough. I'm going to talk about it here. We still have 20 people watching wow. uh, on various platforms. So that's 20, 20 people at th- three hours in, which is pretty good. 
uh, <laughs> retention, I would say for yeah. literally listening to two dudes talk on the internet. Um, check out, first of all, check out Ace's Patreon. It's down in the description of this, uh, of this description of this video. Please do check out, follow Ace on Twitter. He's always tweeting really cool stuff on Twitter. He's very active on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, f- check out his Instagram. Check out all of his links. He's got a T-shirt store. He's got a ton of stuff, guys. So make sure you follow and explore all of those links, okay? Um, and uh, I just want to thank Ace again so much for coming out. He's definitely going to be back. We'll have him in ver- 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 uh, uh, ca- various capacities at some point. We'll come back. We'll do a part two when I when I when it's time, and we'll sure. have him for sinful celluloid, and um, and you'll see him in the comments and whatnot if he if he chooses to. Thank you, Ride Stickers. Enjoy it. Uh, Rue Morg says this episode was fucking cool tonight, Mister Fromers. Thank you, Ace, for being and sharing your musical history experiences. Godspeed to you. Catch you next time. Be good, safe, Thanks, and cough bro. cool. Um, and we have a wonderful way of of closing out the show. Ace, stick around for two seconds. That's sure. after I do this thing. We're just gonna. I'm gonna do my little Patreon video, and 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 then a stick around, guys. We have a wonderful way of saying goodbye on the show. We say peace and hair, hair grease, grease. <laughs> and make sure, make sure we finally that the thing has evolved. Make sure what the fuck happened to it? Where's my thing? Where's this? Where is it? Hey, okay, I'm talking to my my digital producer who is automated. Do you guys know about the Patreon? Patreon. Hey guys, what's going on? It's Jeff. So I've decided to make a Patreon. What is Patreon? I don't know how to define a Patreon. Let me look it up. Patreon is a membership platform that makes it very easy for creators to get paid for the things that they're already creating. I want to do it full-time. I want this to be my full-time job. In my efforts to make that happen, I've set up this platform. Is it going to work? Is it going to be successful? I don't know, but I would rather try and crash and burn than not try at all. The goal is to create enough passive revenue so that I can continue to do this full-time, uninterrupted. Why? Because I love to do this. I love creating content. I love making videos. I love shooting films. I love doing podcasts. In case you couldn't tell, I love to talk and I never shut the fuck up. (laughs) So right now I've kept the Patreon incredibly simple. There's two tiers and that may change in the future. The Murdergram is a simple way to extend support for all of the hours and hours of free content on the channel for nothing more than a dollar. 38 cents goes to Patreon. What's a buck 38, eh? It's less than a cup of coffee. But it's a great way that you can show support for very little effort. When you divide that dollar 38 by the hours and hours and hours of time spent listening to this endless drivel of content, the dollar cost average works out. Next up is the YouTube casualty for $6.66. The YouTube casualty is loaded to the gills. Enjoy the archive ad-free as well as ad-free early access to special docu-style podcast videos, music reaction commentaries, and the like a month before they drop on YouTube, loaded with ads, I might add. You're also going to get exclusive content and behind-the-scenes content that is not available on YouTube or anywhere else. So you get to peek behind the veil. And believe me, there's a couple of choice pieces. Most of all, more than anything, whether you join the Patreon or not, I just want to thank each and every one of you that comes to the channel, that watches all the shows, that leaves comments, that participates 
that subscribes. That's really the most important thing. This is just trying to find a way to earn a living as an artist. And with that, thank you for my TED Talk. Join the Patreon, because we need you! 66 cents.